Well, hey, howdy, hey. Welcome to the Texans Take. Okay, right. we are back. We've got uh, my lovely wife, Juliana, here as a, uh, a very welcome guest. So, hey, honey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we've, um, uh, Juliana's been working a lot on 40 Days for Life. Yeah. And I, I've mentioned this before in a previous episode, but um, um, Juliana wanted to do something with them. She wanted to join uh, a local 40 Days for Life vigil. Uh, she felt really led to do that, um, specifically around, you know, us having a baby and all that. You know, her motherly instincts and Christian instincts were kicking in, and she wanted to do something with that, and uh, found out that Asheville doesn't have a 40 Days for Life vigil something about mm-hmm. that or local group. And so she was like, well, what if I start one? So I thought I was just like, wow, that's cool. So, honey, tell me a little bit about what you do and what you will be doing. and. Yeah, so um, when I looked into it, they didn't have one. It turns out they used to have one a couple years ago. Okay. And that leader's just not doing it anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. And so when I emailed them and told them they should start one here, they said, okay, you can start one here. (laughs) Applications open in June. And you're like, oh. And so kind of fell into it that way. But I'm the local leader for the fall campaign that's coming up. See, that's funny. I, I you probably told me before, but I don't think I remember. You know, because I was like, you know, oh, you want to do forty days for life vigil? They don't have one, so I want to do it. I didn't realize that they were like, you should start one. <laughs> yeah, they pretty much told me I had the ability to start one if I actually wanted to do it here. Wow, that's really cool. So yeah, so I'm organizing the campaign. The prayer vigil starts September 27th, mm-hmm. and it runs for 40 days, obviously, to November 5th. Okay. So say that again. It starts on? September 27th. September 27th. I think it's okay. a Wednesday. I think it goes Wednesday to Wednesday. You know what's funny is I've been telling a couple of people <laughs> about it, and the 27th was sticking in my head, and my little brain was saying, no, it's not 27th. You got the date wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently I was right. Uh, I don't listen to my own instincts. Okay, awesome. Um, so let's go back a little bit and ask, what is 40 Days for Life? Um, well, you said you might have talked about it before. Yep. Um, 40 Days for Life is a nonprofit organization, and they hold prayer vigils in cities all over the country and even different cities all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, They hold the vigils, obviously, for 40 days at a time. And what they do is they're exercising their legal right by standing out on the sidewalks in front of abortion clinics and just peacefully, silently praying against abortion, praying for the salvation of the mothers and the workers, obviously that they would choose life, that the workers would be able to turn around and change their lives. Yeah. Um, They've even, they've had a lot of abortion workers turn around, and a lot of them remain quiet about it for obvious reasons. They don't want to have legal trouble with Planned Parenthood, things like that. But 40 Days for Life also helps to re-employ them in any other job, which would be a better job than what they're currently doing. Yeah, They help them to get out of it. Um, They facilitate the mothers that do choose life. They get them to pregnancy centers, get them free ultrasounds, things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So I guess, could you... Tell us a little bit about like how 40 Days for Life started, you know? 
Um, well, it was started by Sean Carney in Bryan, Texas. Hey. I couldn't tell you where that is in Texas. But well, we know where that is. <laughs> um, but basically, he and his wife started just praying outside of their local Planned Parenthood. Um, That's a big one. That is a big Planned Parenthood. It yeah. was. That's where they met Abby Johnson. She was the clinic director. And she is known for turning around and getting out of the organization and turning pro-life. Mm -hmm. She's even got a movie or two now made about her. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think there's a new one coming out, too. Um, but that Planned Parenthood did end up closing, and that is now the facility in which 40 Days for Life has their headquarters. Oh, wow. I love that. I didn't yeah. know it ever closed. I know they used to, they were pretty popular for sucking in uh, A&M students. They yeah. were very, very well known for sucking in A&M students. Yeah. Well, I mean. That's actually how Abby Johnson got into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which you can see in one of her movies is called Unplanned. Yes, yes. Um, well, I mean, geez, as far as like Planned Parenthood goes, that kind of makes sense, you know, set up next to a college because what happens there? Well, that's you know? one of the biggest colleges. It has its own zip code. I mean, it's A&M is probably their campus probably extends twice the size of UT. Oh yeah, A&M is A&M is big. They're, they're technically the one of the the reasons why they had to do rezoning mm -hmm. is because they took on more property and they couldn't just be a part of another zip code. They had to be entirely different zip code altogether, which is where the term Aggie Land came in. Um, yeah, that's what yeah. That zip code is called is Aggie Land. Yeah, well, it's it's really easy for Planned Parenthood to hook college students too because they all want to change the world, right? Oh uh, yeah. And Planned Parenthood's statement <laughs> still is women's rights. Yep. That's what they lean on, and so these girls get into it not even realizing it's all about abortion, but they think it's just about women's rights to healthcare. Yeah, and that's actually um, actually it's kind of ironic because A and M. I wouldn't call it a Christian college at all, but it's like a lot of the people that go to A&M are, you know, it kind of caters. It is a conservative college. It I'll caters towards that. the conservative. That's what I was going to say. And so there's a lot of, you know, Christian ministries and stuff that starts there. And so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, funny, and ironic that that's where Planned Parenthood started. Not really, though, because it also caters towards. towards military. And military are known for certain uh, negative behaviors. Yeah, See, they, yeah are, they are. They're they're one of the schools that if you go into A and M, That's you can true. actually enter into the Marine Corps at a high rank. Yeah, it's actually by serving uh, your time at A and M. Yeah, because uh, if you go to A and M, you don't have to, but if you can, you join the Corps. And my grandfather was part of the Corps. See, a lot of people go to my uncle was too. and then join the A and M Corps. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so they have at that point ten years of quote-unquote military training yeah. by the time they get in yeah and they count all of that toward your rank and development my grandfather yeah. only went to a&m never participated didn't really do the rotc back then yeah he went straight into the corps and by the time he got out with his doctorate he was a captain in the army when they when they drafted him he went in as a captain yeah absolutely and uh you know dad actually wanted to go to a&m and it's funny his dad and i have kind of similar not similar, similar, not the same stories, but dad wanted to go to A&M &M because it was the big college. That's the one that his dad and his brother went to. And uh, so oh, tell me, I'm the first generation not to go. Yeah. Well, anyway, so dad had really bad asthma 
And so he wanted, he was like, well, if I go to A&M, I have to join the Corps, right? That's what dad did. That's what my brother did, blah, 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 blah. And so he tried to join, and they're like, yeah, no, your asthma is too bad. And yeah, he might have had a couple other, like, dad doesn't have, like, conditions or anything, but he did have asthma at the time. And so they they uh, rejected him for the Corps, and dad was like, I'll fool you on this. If I, if I can't join the Corps, then I'm not going to A&M. And so he went to UT. <laughs> and me, I actually applied to go to A&M, and I got it. I was going to go. I was going to go to A&M. And um, I had financial. I actually applied to, U, to UT also, just just in case. And I had financial <laughs> incentive to go to UT because I got a scholarship for it. So I was like, okay, well, that's where I'm going to go. Little did I real. I did not actually know that there was a rivalry at that time. I did not. I had no. <laughs> How did you not know? I, Dad never told me. You knew me well enough. Not you, well enough. Well, yeah. Not that was, well that enough. That was the beginning, really. That was before we actually were friends. Yeah, we knew each we other. We knew each other. Did you know? We knew of each other, but um, that's true. That's very true. You know, and uh, it's actually kind of funny enough. Like my uh, my ex fiance, the reason that I went to Texas actually, um, she tried to get back together with me like a year later, and I wisely said, "No, we're not." meant for each other obviously and not even just not meant for each other but like we would probably kill each other in a relationship <laughs> and that's not cool um but one of her reasons for breaking up with me was that i i went to ut i was like what what the heck kind of stupid reason is that and then like shallow that. reason and she was yeah. like you know I'm, that's just the way that i and my family feels about it. and i got a, I got a big hint of that i got you know, a lot of that, like her, her mom was saying that, you know, UT is of the devil and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, literally, she thought it was of the devil. She thinks that there's demons over there. Granted, there are demons wow. everywhere. So <laughs> anyway, it is a far more secular college, so I can. It is not now. Not now. Not I mean, now. no, no, no. I mean, known for... no, 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 it is. You're right. It is. But okay. compared to A&M, they're balancing out. Yeah. I mean, right now, it's just, you know, if you go to college. You're gonna get indoctrinated, you know. It's yeah. It doesn't matter what, matter what college you, you go to, yeah. <laughs> but all of that to say, do you know, honey, where A and M is? No. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but picture Texas, and then do you know where Austin is? Approximately about kind of center Texas. Mm -hmm. So go what uh, maybe? You say 150, maybe 200 miles east. East and north. East and north, yeah. East and north. So it's, it's about central east Texas. It's a, it about cuts Texas like from uh, into, you know, about halfway between Texas, uh, Austin, and the eastern border of Texas. Uh, halfway in between there is kind of the kind best of way I have found to describe okay. it because I tell everyone I'm from College Station. Yeah. Because it's easier to tell them I'm from College Station than try to find bead eyes on a map. We're just not going there. Yeah. I've met one person. Since I've lived here, the nose where B-Dice is, and only because he was a truck driver. <laughs> yeah. It's like I've driven right through it, and I forgot I drove through it, but I remember the name. But uh, I always tell people it is three hours south of Dallas and three hours north of Houston. That yeah. is the best way. to. It's central east Texas. It is almost right there. Yeah, and actually, come to think about it, I think it took me about, about two hours, about two hours driving, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit longer. Uh, from Austin to get there because yeah. whenever to play some baseball with Shay, mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
Anyway, so yeah, Brian, where it started uh-huh. in College Station, look like that. Like, They're called sisters. I'm I'm putting my fingers together. If you can't, you know, you can't see what I'm doing. But I'm putting my fingers together. They're right next to each other on the map. If you look from a distance, um, they're the same thing, mm-hmm. and they pretty much are the same thing. Basically, like Frig said, they're sister cities, and there's no real dividing line. They're they're kind of like if you if you took like all of Biltmore and made it its own city, and then said Asheville, it's Asheville and Biltmore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, it's just there's like no, a, there's no like dividing line of welcome to College Station, welcome to Brian. It's just. <laughs> The, the, it's called actually if you like look it up it's called Brian, Brian College Station, Station. Yeah. and what it is is College Station is the school that's the only reason that College Station is on the map at all yeah. is that A&M is there mm-hmm. and that's where the school started and Brian became a feeder city for A&M okay so anyway there I guess the best way to describe it would be uh, Swannanoa and O-Team actually Okay, I was also going to say maybe Black Mountain and Montreat. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just they're they're you you connect them mentally the same. It's like I used to tell mom, "Hey, we're going to College Station." And she's like, "Actually, it's Brian." It's like I actually don't care, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't it's, care. It's the same. It's the same place. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um. Well, I guess um. What. What do you do? in the vigil so for the 40 days for life vigil that you're starting here in Asheville, mm-hmm. what does one do like well, what'll, what'll a day or an hour i personally lead and organize it um here in Asheville, we're planning to do it 7 a.m to 7 p.m over the 40 days so that we're not out there overnight when it could possibly be more dangerous or anything like hostile. that yeah yeah um, but your normal prayer volunteer, they can sign up online for an hour at a time or as many or as few as they want, and they just stand outside and pray. Um, I have signs I can give them, which some people feel more comfortable with, kind of standing behind a sign. I can, I can understand um, that. They never, you never have to approach the clients going in and out to Planned Parenthood. You can if you've taken sidewalk counseling courses. Which you have. I have, yes. Um, If you're prepared to speak to them, you're welcome to speak to them. But at the same time, if you're not prepared and you're not perfectly comfortable with it, it's better that you don't. Because the main mission is to be out there praying anyway. So. And, you know, like on a personal level, like for me personally, I feel like I'm pretty good with talking to people in general Mm -hmm. but like even for myself i know when it comes to true controversy (laughs) which that's what we'll have at the vigil is controversy we have two people you know the people that are going to planned parenthood some of the people that are going to planned parenthood but definitely the people that are running there and working there are violently opposed to the people that are going to be praying at the vigil because it's you know Yes, they feel that their rights are being threatened. Exactly. Even by us standing there exercising our right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But all that to say is just like for me personally, whenever it comes to like, you know, controversy like that, it's just a personal check. Like, you know, if I can't, if I can't, you know, keep my composure, then don't even say anything. Just stand in a distance and pray because better to remain neutral. Yeah, for sure. Just because, like, you know, we don't want it to be... Actually, that was actually going to be one of my questions is, 
is it safe? Is it safe? Like it is safe. Um, and I've spoken to the leader of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, which is a similar organization, and they do a lot of active outreach out there, handing out gift bags to clients and things like that. She said they've never had any violence directed towards them. Um, the worst altercation she's seen is boyfriends um, getting into arguments Funny, with that was a question I had. with <laughs> males with males that were outside. Because some of the males they will get fired up even if they're pro life, and then of course the boyfriends and it's a man on man thing at that point. Yeah, because and the argument escalates yeah. if the pro lifer does not defuse the situation immediately. Um, she said those are the worst situations she's seen. Other than that, it's just been hecklers, you know, flipping them off, yelling at them as they drive by. But they've not had any active violence on them whatsoever. That's actually, personally, that's surprising. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it's a really good thing. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's actually what I was going to ask is how many, how many people going to Planned Parenthood are actually being under duress doing it like how it's not really so much their mindset but someone else who has influenced it and yeah so well, there's obviously... I, I feel like there's probably a lot of that that's why when you said boyfriends i was like huh yeah uh, there's I obviously can... not statistics on that but we know that there are a lot of boyfriends that convince the girl to do exactly. it because it solves their problem right. the sad thing is there are fathers that convince their underage daughters to do it so they don't have to deal with it um, and frankly, Planned Parenthood and the pro-abortion side convinces women to do it as well. Yeah, that's kind of one of the oldest, I don't know about oldest, but like even before it was a legal thing to do, um, you know, if you have a daughter who's say 15, which is really young, mm -hmm. you know, gets, you know, knocked up and, you know, she's going to have a baby and she's part of a wealthy family, the easiest thing to do is daddy goes over there and says hey we're going to get this dealt with yeah you know because this is going to be a scandal and again i'm generalizing incredibly there's lots of other different situations that could result in something similar but i'm just saying it's very easy to watch that and think about that as being a case you know and a lot of and i don't have really a whole lot of experience but i have met people because i meet people all the time and somehow I always get accidentally roped into these conversations. I've never figured out why. I think it's because I say just way too close to a certain topic because I'm nosy. And so I'll address <laughs> a certain topic and then I'll leave it because then I go, oh, wait, that, that was me being me again. Shouldn't have done that. And then it opens up. I've, I've had clients, you know, at my desk that break down and have a whole story and i'm like i don't know that i needed that whole story <laughs> um but it was my fault because i in i invited that topic to my table it wasn't like it wasn't like they dumped it on me like i just need to tell somebody this it was brig being a little too nosy and and asking the wrong questions it's one of those like you know Ugh, i sure did that to myself and, and i've never had a negative experience where it's like oh that was the wrong thing to say and this is now really bad i have had that when i ask certain questions and people tell me someone just passed away and i'm going oh yeah this just went downhill very fast but needless to say i've had more people that have dumped these stories of abortion on me tell me that they felt like they had no other choice because of the people around them no one was influencing them positively 
and mm -hmm. all of the answers that they were being given was this is what you have to do and so they felt like this was the option and then regretted it years later because they realized of course i had other options but you know think about someone who's 15 to 17 yeah which is probably a statistical age for this i would i would i'm assuming but there from the also, people that i've heard that's i haven't heard age, age statistics as much but i know I know. There's one less mosquito now. <laughs> it is still there, by the way, in case you were wondering. It looks watched, like a mole yeah, from here. I should have just watched that go down and had the same expression that Juliana liked. And then when it happened, it was like, oh, yeah. I could see Juliana. She's like, I just lost a husband. I accidentally, I was accidentally <laughs> Don't tap the bear. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is, I know a large margin of them are blacks and Hispanics and more minority groups and things like that. Is is that a leading demographic as far as um, abortions go? From what I've heard, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so actually, Brig hit on something that was absolutely huge. And like, like I actually put together like a list of questions and stuff <laughs> to help the flow and stuff like that, you know. And Brig hit on something that, that like far, I yeah. didn't even think about. But... Uh, so he mentioned he mentioned what a lot of people say in that situation. I felt like I had no other options. Mm -hmm. What are your options? Well, one of the biggest things we offer women, and it's written in bold print on our signs in English and in Spanish, is ask us about a free ultrasound. Mm. Because people like free stuff in general, so that's going to turn their head, hopefully. And the idea of the ultrasound is they get to see their baby and you know even when you saw our baby at eight weeks oh like gosh, yeah it already looks like a little baby a little yeah, bit kidney just, bean shaped but yeah and get i mean the side that, profile it's like you can see the nose, that can the change chin. their world right there and the interesting thing is abortionists have to perform an ultrasound in order to know the gestational age oh, and do the right kind of abortion but they purposely do not let the mother see the ultrasound screen. Yeah, it can influence her decision mm, and sway them away from their movement. Yeah. And in addition to the free ultrasound, if we can get them there, the pregnancy center provides free care throughout the pregnancy, all the prenatal visits. Um, our pregnancy center in particular, Mountain Area Pregnancy Services, they even offer parenting classes. They offer grief counseling if you've been through abortions well, yeah. and things like that. So, um, yeah, just like full disclosure, like um, the movie Unplanned. What was the name of the the woman that's Abby Johnson? Yeah, she had two. Was it one or two? Two, two abortions mm -hmm. before she like switched sides. Yeah. You know, I think it was. It might have been three. Oh my goodness! Wow, because one um, of them was a chemical abortion. Oh, and that most definitely counts for sure. Yeah. Um, on that vein, uh, one of the other questions that I had is, um, um, how are you getting started? What are there local events that you're doing now that's preparing you for the actual vigil? How are you like? So we um, are actually holding an event. Um, well, it's tomorrow. It will have already happened by the time this podcast airs, probably, uh -huh. but. We're holding a movie showing of Unplanned oh, fantastic. because if people want to go and watch that movie at home, they can watch it free on Tubi mm -hmm. as well. Um, but they get to see what 40 Days for Life does. They get to kind of see them in action on the sidewalk, mm -hmm. 
see them dealing with the hecklers and even the abortion workers that heckle them. And they get to see Abby Johnson turning her life around, or the woman that plays her anyway. And it can be very inspiring. It's a very moving movie. It was not intentional. Um, (laughs) Have have you seen it, Brig? I I don't think I have. It's, It's very well done. And it's been a little while since I've seen it. But from what I remember, like, it does have a little bit of that, like, I hate to call it this, but kind of gray bead Christian style movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it does flyer. have that. It does quality have at that, times. but like the matter is so weighty. Mm-hmm. Was it a Kendrick's that, movie? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. But it's like it's so weighty that like watching them, I was in, I was bawling my eyes out the whole movie. I really was. And sometimes that's the that's the necessary part of that is. Not so much theatrics. There's a, you know, there's a certain reason why a lot of those movies are like that. Like you call them grade B, you know, Christian movies. But a lot of it is the theatrics are kind of stripped away, which is something Hollywood loves. Oh, yeah. They love theatrics over actual content. And so what you have in what we call the grade B Christian movies is you have actual content with less theatrics. The actors aren't as, you know, as well versed. And some of them might be, you know, fresh on the stage. But... Sometimes that adds an air of being able to actually understand the content versus being wowed by the theatrics. Sure. You know, like when you go to watch a Michael Bay movie, you know there's going to be lots of explosions and the hype for that. Watching it there's for that. There's very little yeah. content. Oh, yeah. There's very little content in Michael Bay movies. But you get all the explosions. Lens flares. And yeah, yeah. You know, people with seizures should not watch, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so... Uh, what 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 can people do to help um, um, the well, Asheville Vigil? And I the say the first thing people can do to help is to sign up for prayer hours out on the sidewalk. Okay, they can do that by going to forty daysforlifecom Asheville. And even if they just Google forty days for life and find their website, they can type in Asheville in the little find your city box. Sure, and it'll pop right up on there. They can sign up for hours. They are required to sign a statement of peace, basically saying we're not going to be confrontational, we're not going to be violent, we're going to obey the police, all these things, that's all on there. Um, They can also contact me directly on that website. They can Mm -hmm. find my email there if they have any questions that aren't answered by the website itself. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and secondly, they can bring all their friends and family, have everybody sign up for vigil hours with them. We have 40 days to cover 12 hours a day. So um, we need a lot of people out there. Yes, yes, we do. And I was actually just going to say as far as like, um, well, just for people like like me, and I'm not telling anybody what to do, but um, in the state of North Carolina, if you're gathering for a protest or a vigil or something, which this is, mm-hmm. it's actually legal to conceal carry or carry at all. That is. You know, so... Um, that's uh and for safety reasons too we have to have two people out there at a time yeah and um what about the local police i contacted the local police and let them know that this is happening so and um, they're aware they know we're exercising our rights okay. they know we're going to be peaceful i emailed them a copy of our statement of peace um, they are operating at only 60% staffing capacity right oh, now. Geez. So they said there's not any 
you know, drive-bys they can guarantee that they'll do to protect mm -hmm. us or anything like that, but yeah. they're aware it's going on. Okay. And they also informed me that off-duty police officers are hired by Planned Parenthood <laughs> during their open hours to help keep the peace as well. Okay. Well, because that's good. Planned Parenthood doesn't want violence outside any more than we do. Right. Because that's yeah. still going to look really bad on them and for that to be on their front lawn. Man. I don't think that many hearts or minds have been changed much because of like violence in a situation like this. Yeah, I've never seen yeah. a situation where it went negatively and everyone went, "That was a good thing." Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and one of the thing. one of the things Four Days for Life operates under is we never say things like um, "You're murdering your baby," "You're killing your baby," "You're going to go to hell." Even though those are technically true, that's not the way you're going to reach any of these women. Yeah, it's not going to be as and convincing, and the end result is you're not persuasive. Gonna, you're not going to persuade anyone by personally attacking them yeah. and telling them what a terrible yeah. person they are. Yeah. Um, so we just don't use language like that. We don't put out graphic images of aborted babies, things like that. If you see people on a sidewalk doing that, and they do, pro-lifers take that approach sometimes but they're not part of 40 days for life yeah um well honey i'm so glad that you were uh, able to come on here with us um and uh you've got 30 seconds before this br first break here <laughs> so um you've got anything that you'd like to conclude with just go to 40daysforlife.com slash Asheville. You can contact me with any questions and you can sign up to pray with us. Absolutely. And if you don't sign up to pray, like if you don't live in Asheville or something, pray anyway. Yes. All right, we are back. Wow. Yes, we are. Oh. It's a good night. It's a very nice night. It's a very nice night. Very. I don't know if anyone can hear the sirens, but that, that just happened for the first time. Yeah. You know, we should have some sirens when we start our episode. Yeah, right? You know? I should uh. add that as a tune, right? <laughs> yeah. Warning, we're starting. But gosh, it was <laughs> really hot today. It, it's been excruciatingly hot. So it's nice to have this cool evening. There's a couple things. I've been... Um, so I've been catching a lot of uh, crap at work because uh -huh. um, I don't want to wear, and it's not—it's not that I don't want to wear. So let me let me back up. I get heckled quite a bit for not wearing Fields shirts. Oh, um, I see you're representing today. Yeah, well, <laughs> funny how that came to be. Anyway, <clears throat> I have when they when they when I got hired, they gave me two shirts. Yep, and they were like, "You can buy more shirts." <laughs> And I was like, I'm fine with that. I'll, I mean, I understand the shirts are, these shirts aren't cheap. No, they're not. And they're what not. happens in, in the sales world, cool. in the sales world, uh, and, and you may not know this, but I've seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. Most salespeople last less than a month. But what happens to those shirts? Rarely do they get turned deck in. Yeah. And so the company isn't going to give you seven shirts and no, then go here, last less sense. than a month and take sense. our good shirts that cost close to $40 a piece. Because these are, you know, these are nice, nice shirts. Short. I, I, I and they're wicking, that. you know, so they, they do have a lot of, there's a lot of good qualities to these sports shirts. Yeah. That, and, and to be uh, completely fair, I think we're the only brand in the company that allows t-shirts. 
Really? Everyone else in the company is required to wear either suits oh, or um, or uh, at least long buttons, okay. uh, button-ups, you know. But Chrysler, that, that's never been the branding of Chrysler. Mm -hmm. It's never, uh, Chrysler's always been the working man vehicles. Even though we could argue now they've priced themselves out of their people. Um, yeah. I will agree with that. And I sell it. I understand. I'm... I own one. I, I get Not it. They've, unrealistic. they've priced themselves out of their market, and I, I feel like they're going to come back to it. They, they, they are understanding now the penalties of their actions. Yeah. So it's, it's coming back around. But anyway, back to shirts. Uh, I, I get heckled a lot because I'll come to work and I don't have a field shirt on. But I, I wear nice polos, and the nice polos I wear are shirts that are thin. They're good for the summer. I don't care about winter because I have jackets, you know. Yeah. I have field sweaters for the winter, you know. Oh, nice. <coughs> because as people left, the they gave them to me, which was nice. So anyway, I went to ask for more sweater or more shirts, and I was like, hey, I want to buy more shirts. And the GM was like, hey, um, we don't have any more that'll fit you. We have a whole bunch of 3Xs. That's nice. I said, okay, well, what's the ne what's the next thing? And he said, well... You can go buy whatever shirts you want. We don't care. Um, and you can go to um, the t-shirt company we use. They have our logo on file. It's $6 a shirt. Very affordable. For, oh, yeah. That's yeah. nothing. So I, I, I went in and took a whole bunch of shirts to them and did it. Anyway, the day after, mind you, I only had two shirts, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I do sweat a lot when I'm outside. So it's, it's not, I'm not capable of wearing two shirts in a row because that just is nasty. Yeah. And uh, especially in the summer, I sweat a lot, and I'm outside a lot because I'm on the lot with folks. And, and, and so um, I, it's just made it very hard. So I wear my shirts in between wash centrals, and I, I get high a lot. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of it at this point. And um, so I went and took a whole bunch of shirts to the T-shirt company. Boom, that's done. And uh, I'm waiting on those shirts now. And at this point, someone who has been there for 40 years just retired. And turned in all of his shirts. And so you should have seen the sales staff acting like piranhas. Oh, geez. For his shirts. And I got I got three of them. Nice. And so this is one of the three that, you know, they were larges, which I think is hilarious because he was such a small guy. I don't fits know how he wore larges. And you're not a small guy. And, yeah, and so it, it fits good. I wear a large to extra large depending on the brand. But, um it works, and so I, I have three more shirts. So I have a total of five shirts now. Nice. So I have I have a week's worth of shirts, which is funny because I could have just done with that and got them for free. But now I have, you know, five shirts over at the t-shirt company that I'm going to have to pay for. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's fine because, honestly, the shirts that I bought and sent to the t-shirt company are much thinner than these shirts. I just Y'all probably just heard just a massive bang because I just lost my light. Oh. Yeah, the... Um, I'm going to take my pen out because I think that's what did it. But, uh, <coughs> so anyway, I got shirts now. So I'm wearing one of those shirts today so I don't get heckled anymore. But um, it's also why my voice sounds like this because I've been outside on the lot. And it's been 100 plus degrees this whole week. Outside. And then I go inside. And mind you, they just recently, which I think this is funny. It's good to note, but it's funny. They recently fixed our air conditioning. And in the same process, they're 
tearing down the building to remodel. I, you know what? It doesn't matter at this point, but that was funny to me. Uh, spend ten thousand dollars on the air conditioner, but we're going to tear it all down anyway. Anyway, huh. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of what I had. But uh, so I've been walking outside, hundred degree temperature to inside, um, sixty degree temperature, and it is it has done a work on my sinuses, on my throat, yeah. like everything that involves breathing. It, it's it has been very challenging. So it's just like, oh, and of course I walk around and talk like this. Everybody goes, "Are you sick?" I'm like, no. I'm sick of the AC, and that is something I've never said in my life. Right. Could we leave it at something manageable like 68, 70? Yeah, or... I mean, my, my, my thermostat in my house never never goes above 65. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, I was like, wow, this is actually a lot. Anyway, that's why I sound like that. <sighs> Enough of that. I know what you mean. It's a struggle. Yeah, so it's been, like, my voice is... It doesn't sound, everyone knows it doesn't sound like this. You know, um, whenever we'd go to the summer camps in Texas, which... Which is hilarious, because this so is actually exactly what I thought of. William always complained about it. Yeah. And me being captain, I love sub-degree temperatures. And so, I'm like, you're, you're goofy, just go back and, you know... Stop being sick, because that's weird. <laughs> I, 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 I multiple times, and you can probably get him to... He would probably enjoy vouching for this. Yeah. But uh, I, I multiple times told him to quit being a weenie. Because, yeah, they, they'd refrigerate it inside the oh, buildings. Oh, they would. It was, it was, and, and, and it didn't help Texas, that Waco. Texas heat summer, Texas summer heat <coughs> outside. It's just like, wow. Well, and not to make things worse, but Waco, that, that specific area where Waco is, is kind of a geological anomaly. Because where Waco is, it gets very very hot during the day mm -hmm. um and that's becoming all of texas it's not just waco anymore but waco has this interesting ge geological anomaly to where when the sun goes down it gets extremely cold even in the summer mm -hmm. like for some reason it can get to 50 degrees in waco You're saying it's a desert <laughs> almost it really does have the <laughs> qualities it's kind of a, but it's not a desert and that's why i say it's kind of a geological anomaly yeah. because it gets so they turn, you know, they, they always kept the dorms at, like, probably 65 degrees. Yeah, but when the sun goes down, that 65 degrees doesn't have to work for 65 degrees, so it becomes 30 degrees. Yeah, yeah. And so you go in there. Cold. If you didn't bring a blanket, man, you'd be shivering at night. And, and it never bothered me. I, I, I don't know why it didn't bother me, but and maybe it's just because I was a lot younger, and now I'm... Yeah. I'm older and things are falling apart, but, you know, my sinus is being one of them. Yeah. And I, so I'm having to take sinus medication and everything. It's, it's a horrible oh, that's thing, annoying. you know, because yeah. um, I'm, I'm not a medication person. You know? For William and I and really my whole family. I was about to say your whole family, really. We were always really affected by that, you know, Texas heat, you know, outside and then like refrigeration inside. I mean, like a lot of people live with that as a daily thing in Texas, but you know, it was always bad or worse for us because you didn't, we never had AC in our home. Yeah, I know that blows and my look, mind. Like we live here in, we live in black mountain or lived in black mountain. My parents still live there and Asheville is going to be the same <coughs> essentially as black mountain. Not too much different just because it's just 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. Um, 
But yeah, it, it can get really hot in the summer. It can get really hot in the summer. And it'll get really cold in the this winter. This is actually a record summer, too. You know, and in, in the in-between times, you know, mm-hmm. it's generally pretty moderately tempered. Um, you can usually bank 15 degrees between here and We Texas. never had AC. So in the summer, we were doing fans, you know, open your windows, hope you have screens, you know. In the winter, we'd pull out some heaters and stuff like that. But we never had, like, an AC system. And so that's just the way we grew up. You know, right. if it was crazy hot in your room, you just slept with that, you know. And so we'd go to Texas, and it's like refrigeration inside, <coughs> oven outside. It's like, oh, jeez, you know. So anyway, um, yeah. Well, now we know why you sound different. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's funny for me because, and and Alyssa, I I will mind you, I have got so much, like, well deserved. It it is, and I this is I, I'm being completely honest here. Well deserved heckling from her because <laughs> she's like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. I'm gonna just just stop talking. Just I don't because me and she she was raised like like you yeah. with no AC. You know, let's sweat until the neighbors smell us. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah. And and I mean, I, I get it. I I do get it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like. I was and was not raised like that. So I, we did have access to AC, but as a choice and mandation by our parents, we never were inside except sleeping. Yeah, you're always outside. You know, this is something no kids know about today. Yeah. The idea of, oh my gosh, there's an outside and... Yeah, do it. Work. When it becomes dark, you should return. That's yeah. the only time we want to see you. Yeah. That's <laughs> the way it should be. Really? Yeah, and and you know we're we're so caught up on video games and keep our children inside. Yeah, and I get it as a parent now. I under I, I do understand in the world of today, man. Keep your kids inside because if they stray too far, it ain't the same world we grew up in. Unfortunately, that's true. Now, if you're living in the country in a pretty safe area, if you're you far enough out, like stuff, I was raised in, you're fine. Yeah. You know, just but, don't go past the fence and come back. You know. Yeah. Um, have an electric fence, <laughs> but <laughs> right, shock you all the way back. But uh, keep the kids <laughs> in the property line. <laughs> so Allie did not have any experience with AC prior to meeting me, and I keep the house. What I think is temperate, fine. Yeah, sixty-seven and below. Like sixty-seven is my my happy spot. Um, during the day of a tot, I like to bring it to sixty-five. Yeah. It never, our house never, like, I freak out if it, I can feel if it's at 68. And I know that's weird. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I can feel if it's just over my comfort level. Yeah. And, um, and Allie hates it. Like, she is not a cold person. So she walks around with long sleeves a lot of the times because, and and I get it. She has fibromyalgia, so she is a little more sensitive to it. Sure. Uh, She's learned to overcome it. But this past week with me, Talking like this, she just looks at me and smirks and is like, <laughs> how does that Stand feel? You right. Would you like some Claritin? Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> yes, couple. actually, thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm boy. popping that stuff like candy. I do not recommend, Ooh. but um, it's keeping it controlled because like last night I had um, Lila was over at the house and obviously none of the kids are there. So she was off in the bedroom by herself and I... Uh, 
we have both of the other kids piled in the bed, so I just went and got Lila. I was like, would you like to pile in the bed, too? Like, we're all in here. Yeah. And she was like, yes, actually. And I couldn't sleep. I didn't get to sleep until probably 3.30. Oh, oh. And the reason is because I, I couldn't breathe right. Uh, and yeah. so I'm like, I'm trying to. You've had breathing issues. Uh, since COVID. Yeah. It is. It has been uh, a new challenge for me, actually, because, yeah. um, I mean, I was bodybuilding. I was very active. I was in the best health of my life pre-COVID. And. Mm -hmm. After 2019, before COVID was even a thing, and I got it, um, my whole respiratory world changed. Yeah, Things I could do, like walking upstairs. Like, we're moving into a new house, and my only blessing is no more stairs. Yeah. Which is hilarious, because as a kid, I was like, always stairs. Yeah, like stairs, me. Like, you know? You know, I didn't think that you actually had a real house unless you had stairs. <clears throat> right. You know? It was like almost a sign of wealth. Yeah, exactly. Even if you have a small house, but you have stairs. You know, you've got you something. Know, you've got something there. I'm obviously I don't live in a house with stairs now. The only stairs that I have is the stoop to get into the house, right? And the the two steps that it takes to get on. And Allie, porch. it's worse. That's actually I. You know, her and I had a, a a big conversation because, you know, we have a very small house, and she's had a rough time keeping up with it. Yeah, and um. We really had a long conversation recently, and she said, honestly, it's a combination of, like, her fibromyalgia and other issues. And she's like, I'm I'm worn out after three times of walking up and down the stairs because I'm just like, I'm done. Yeah. And so this may be more of a blessing than I could have imagined for not having stairs. Yeah. Because yeah. she wouldn't even look at a house. That was when we started looking at houses. She was like, if there's stairs, I'm not coming to look at it because we're not buying it. Oh, geez. You can go look at it, but just understand, I'm not moving in with you. <laughs> <laughs> so her stairs will be getting onto the porch and to the house. And well, see, it. but if you go through the back door, oh, you the can go in the back door. Yeah. There's never, there's never stairs. So she's, she's, she's got a maid right now. You know, but uh, and yeah. what's actually really cool is your driveway actually extends to the back porch. Nice. Right. Yes. So that's cool. Anyway. Yeah, I'm really happy today. about your new house. I am I am really thrilled. Cool. Yeah. You have no idea. Like there are issues and uh And they will need to be dealt with. They will need to be dealt with. Now. But now that I found out like my down payment is a little less. Yeah. I've got yeah, really uh is. I've got the ability to say, Hey, I can do this now. Um and I I, I built out a six stage process. <laughs> With, like, how much each stage will approximately cost to get to, like, I want to put hardwood floors in, the fence, all that. I've got a plan now. You know, I showed my mom. My mom was like, man, I wish I was like you. She's like, you have no idea how blessed you are just to be able to put a plan together. I could never do that, and that's why our house is the way it is. Yeah. Is because you can... You can mentally just you drop a, a plan yeah. within. And, and, and part of this, I, I, um, I'm very imaginative. I can see things before they're there. Like, I can envision things the way I want them. And a lot of this, I, I, I think my dad, my dad had, uh, he had some CAD programs. Um, they were pre-CAD. They right, were, right. before CAD was the thing, they were the closest thing to 3D architecture because my dad went to school for that. 
Oh, for architecture? Yeah, he, oh, he cool. went to school for drafting and architecture. Oh, sweet. And so my dad had these little CAD programs, and for me, it was a game. Right. Like, when yeah. I was a kid, this was a game, and my job was to beat it. Yeah. And then I realized I can build things. And so I would build these monstrosities of houses. And I, I would I would develop them the way I wanted. I would put the furniture, because the, the program had an option for you to nice. place furniture and appliances in every room. And I could... I could lay out a house the way I wanted. And so because of that, being able to learn a vision of that, from now on, I can walk into a house and I can just, in my mind, reassemble the entire house. You know what's funny? In a vision. Is, yeah. And then it's like within two days, I, I brought this to Alyssa and she was like, how, how, how did you do that? Yeah. And I said, I, I see it. I, I, I can vision it in my mind, and I know what it's going to look like. And so I know what I need to do to make it look like that. Yeah. And See, she, she walks in, she looks at it, and she goes, this needs a lot of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's funny, I, I cannot do that. You know, I would like to be able to do that. Which is humorous you know. because you're an engineer. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, uh, that it is, is kind of humorous. humorous. You know, I'm an I am an engineer. I will say that none of my, the only experience that I had with any kind of CAD software, any kind of, you know, uh, anything like that was purely in school. It was not outside of school because outside of school, like my dad is a Luddite, you know, he doesn't know how to use software. Oh, uh, the first you know? time I ever saw someone kill a keyboard was your dad. Oh, he kills keyboards. Yeah. And so I grew up with that. I didn't know, like, Dad didn't. Dad just didn't know this stuff to teach us. And <coughs> Dad's philosophy was, well, we'll just hire somebody else to do it, you know. And uh, Mom never had any kind of that. So, you know, really, I grew up not really knowing anything about it. And I really wasn't interested enough to, like, pursue it. And you so when I went, it to, out yourself. Yeah, so when I went to college, you know, I realized that there was so much that I don't know. And I was so focused on my specific degree that when I got out, you know, now I'm working in it. So I have so much to learn in that. But what's cool is that Juliana actually can do exactly what you can do. And the reason is because she's been watching HDTV for years. She loves oh, it. Oh, I grew up on it. Yeah. I, grew I never up on watched it. She, she asked me what she, she's like, you know. There were two shows we watched. It was Rebuilding Homes yeah. because my mom had this fascination with re wanting uh -huh. to flip houses. Yeah. And. I knew everything that men should never know about birthing children because that's all my mom watched was that show <laughs> and how to birth children where you watch live births and it's just like yeah when mom and dad watched stuff like that which so they when, did, I, when, when I they delivered, did when I delivered when I delivered Adeline and everyone like I had guys when I told them I was like yeah I I I did that and they were like you're just weird yeah like yeah. how was that and I said you got to like you have to meet my mom. Like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a whole, like, list of well, things. Well, like, for me, you know, mom and dad started watching uh, Call the Midwife <laughs> whenever that came out. Oh, yeah. And I was probably, like, you know, 18, 19, 20. I don't remember how old I was, you know, when they were watching it. And Which, by the way, is we not called when it, it came out. We called it, no, I don't think it's when it came out. That's just when they were watching it. We called it Screaming Lady or Screaming Women because... I'd be walking through the living room and just hear these, you know, this woman scream. Ah! Yeah, which Juliana reminded me when we were, whenever we were having a baby, like, you know, it's not like that, you know. No, it was the weirdest thing. You, you don't you really see screaming or anything. But anyway, like, 
you know, they they like, be screaming the whole time. And I'm like, I am leaving this room. I'm not watching that. You people are weird. Yeah, Allie you said know. if you're screaming, something is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, it's not. It's true. It, um, and, and she was like, that's why hospitals don't set it up properly because you do scream in hospitals because you were never meant. And, uh, you know, I don't know the science on it. So I'm just saying what she said for the facts here. So for everyone who wants to jump in there and say, oh, that's not right. Well, apparently you're not supposed to have babies on your back. You're not. You're not. And the reason I don't, is I don't. It, it binds up the whole process. It's kind of like, okay, so this is going to sound really gross, but um, <laughs> it's probably better than what I was going to say. The so better. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, having a baby, it's the same muscles. It's the same. Not the same muscles. Oh, no, you are going where Similar going. muscles and stuff. Okay. To pooping. Oh, not where I was going. You know? And so when you sit on a toilet, it's actually probably the worst position that you could be sitting yeah. in. Because it binds it binds your, you know, your intestines and your um, you know, your your lower um, you know, bowels basically. It's a it's a, a bowel bind. Yeah. Um that, you know, you, you it's 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 the wrong way to do it. And so it's the least efficient way, and it's the hardest way to poop, you know. And so when you're having a baby, it's the same deal. If you're on your back like that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the wrong way to do it. You're in yeah. the wrong You're position. binding everything. The best position that you can be in is uh, stand up straight and then squat down to the ground. That's the best position to yep. be in. An upward, you know, uh, that opens everything up to allow the baby to come out. And I'm not saying that that's the way the baby is going to be born. And the reason, like... Juliana was kind of on her, kind of on her side-ish, not on her back, but kind of sort of on her side, just because she had an epidural. Yeah, Allie was and that's what happens and... a lot in hospitals. Women have their babies on their back because they have an epidural. They can't feel anything. They can't <coughs> yeah. do anything. They can't move. Well, it's like Ali. Ali said it's, uh, and I am not a woman, so <laughs> mind you, this the, the next few phrases. You have to forgive me. It's very graphic, but you know maybe if. There's someone in the room that doesn't need to be here. Let's do do the removing now or pause. But um, Allie said for her, hands and hands and knees are the best, which mm -hmm. is the way both that I have been present and um, assisted too. with. Yep. And she said she knows that it's the right way for her is because it feels orgasmic. Oh, like it feels it's pleasant. It's everything goes smoothly. And it's a release. Yeah. And so she knows when she starts feeling that loose that it's it's happening now. Yeah. It's yeah. not happening five minutes. It's happening That's right. now. That's right. And she said, you know, and, and she has echoed exactly that about like, you know, pooping. Yep. You know, she's like, it's a release. And so Which, women, based on who you are, you feel either <laughs> on that orgasmic level or yeah. you feel. And for her, she knows like she starts feeling really good and then. She has a release, and that's when yeah. she knows everything is happening now. Yeah. All the topics we talk about on this podcast. I know. It's it's uh, health-related. <laughs> we say as we smoke cigars, which I might add. Is the healthiest form if you're going to do it's it. It's the healthiest form if you're going to smoke, but on top of that, uh, like an occasional cigar is not unhealthy. It is not. You know, if you're a generally healthy person, I personally think that... <coughs> Smoking a cigar is kind of akin to 
you know, eating sugar. Yeah, everything in moderation is it's okay. If you step outside the mod, well, okay, within reason, don't go where you're about to go. No, everything not in moderation. Some things, some things in moderation, yes. Because if you were, if you were, I know where you're going. You're going to kill somebody. I, I, Is yeah. that okay in moderation? Still <laughs> <laughs> one a month. You uh, know. <laughs> it depends on who it is. I didn't I mean, say that. I did not say that. Um, not out loud. We just heard uh, it in your mind. <laughs> you know. Uh, okay. Things. Ooh. Things related to health. Maybe we should. You know. I don't know. Uh, killing people. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, hmm. Anyway, we just went way, way further than we should have gone. Oh, that's okay. I think our listeners appreciate that every once in a while. It's a little, it's a little dark humor. Like, who, who can't appreciate dark humor? Um, a lot of people, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Uh, what were we even talking about? Uh, we were talking Babies, about envisioning houses. Visioning houses. Oh, that's it. HDTV. Yeah. Dang. But anyway, yeah. So Julianne's been watching HDTV. For years, that was like whenever, like whenever we first started, you know. It was my mom's like. When we started office. seeing each other, and then shortly after engagement, because we we went from <coughs> seeing each other to engage, not engaged. I'm sorry, courting, seeing each other to courting, and then very quickly to engaged. Excuse me, but um, that's one of the questions that she asked me was like, "Have you ever watched HDTV?" That's and an I was like, question. Um, I no, no, high definition TV. What is that? And she's like, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, see, that was my mom's office. She used that as a pastime while she was cleaning and doing work because she could follow it. Oh, did I say HGTV? Without following it's it, HGTV, you did. It's HGTV. It? Yeah, home, home I was, I was letting you, I was letting you come back to it. Yeah, I was, I was trying not to correct you so abruptly. But anyway. <laughs> Um, what was I gonna say? She was like, "Oh, it's okay. home and garden television." Well, that well, that's okay. I didn't expect you to watch it because that's kind of a girly thing to watch. And as soon as she said that, I was like, "Well, uh, maybe." I mean, I'm not sure that only in in her mind, like her dad thinks that that's like, why would you watch that? It's trash, you know. And her mom loves it, and so I learned a lot from if it. If her dad watches it, then it must be guy things. If her mom, if her dad likes it, it must be guy things. And if her mom likes it, it must be girl things. If her dad doesn't like it, that means it must not be a guy thing anyway. So anyway, she asked me, and I was like, I don't know what HDTV <coughs> is. I have no idea. I mean, what does that stand for? You know, and she's like, home and garden. I was like, oh, I've heard of that before. Yeah. But anyway, she would watch that. And so she looks at a house, and she's immediately, just like you were, just like you were saying, she's seeing things in the way that she envisions them you reorganize everything things adding things like she'll look at a layout and be like like she was actually going through this house like the house that i'm in and she was like you know this house could be so much better if we did this and this took down this wall like you know we couldn't you know we can't move this wall because it's structural there but this one isn't and so we can do this and i'm just like Dude, like you should have been an architect. It's or what made me weirdly successful with furniture sales because I shouldn't have been successful with furniture sales. And I say that saying I'm a car guy. Like, I should, that was a temporary fix for my car accident. So, like, I should have never been successful. But the rate of success for me was based on show me the room you're putting my furniture in. Mm-hmm. And they would look your furniture. I'm like, yeah, because I need to see the room. It's my furniture until it's your furniture. So 
let me see your room and I would help them design a room. Yeah. And that made me really good at what I did because I can see things yeah. and say, this is how it would work best. You know, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back. And I promise we will get to the topic when we go back. <laughs> All right, we are back, and yes. I am suffering from all kinds of sinus stuff, so everyone prepared with. for coughing, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not dying, I promise, at least not now. Every once in a while, while Bridget Brig is talking, I'll probably just chime in with some coughing and hacking and wheezing, just to just it, balance it just out. Just to keep it real, you know? Yeah, I gotta balance it out, because <laughs> I can't be the only one tipping that iceberg. But, okay. uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you thought it, didn't you? Yeah, you I did. did. You did. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it until you laughed. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Oh. Uh, we really missed an opportunity to go see him. Yes, we did. <laughs> it just, you know, I was actually making fun of you. I was trying to hack and wheeze. You thought I was laughing. Oh, is that what you yeah. were doing? <laughs> I was like, I thought you were making sure the, 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 the Iggy joke. No. Ah, oh, that now you have to explain. The, the ass bag. No, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> I did want to go see him, though. He's such a funny comedian. Yes, he is. By the time we heard about it, it was sold out. Yeah, which is funny because the guy that told us about it was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. It's going to be great, you know? And then he was like looking at tickets just to show us how cheap the no, tickets I did. were. No, yeah, you did. And you were like, yeah, well, the tickets are sold out. And the guy that was telling us about it was like, oh, well, that's too bad because I was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was banking on walk-ins. There's your coughing, everyone. There you go. There you go. The first taste. <laughs> ah! Topic of today. Yeah, what you got? So everyone is, well, I say everyone. Uh, I know we have some abroad listeners. This is the one year where our our, our champions of comedy come together <laughs> to figure out which one of the comedians are going to lead us. That's which one of the clowns are going to lead. Yeah, us? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, jeez, it's become that way. It didn't. It didn't start out that way. And I'm. I, I think I'm right in making that joke. You, you know. Right. I mean, it's basically which 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 is the one that people like the most out of all the jokers, you know? It's like, do you like the Heath Ledger or <laughs> the the Jack Nicholson? Which one of these guys do you like the best? Yeah. You know, Robin Williams. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, let's just which one, you know? And uh, I was making a Joker DC comic joke, and you just went straight to a real comic, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, just so everyone can understand that divide. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I have uh I was telling Stuart this earlier, I've watched the the debates band since I was probably five. You nailed it. I, I probably five. Mm -hmm. I, I was more intrigued with that than sitting down and watching football with dad, and I've always been that way. I don't like football. Yeah. I and uh I will watch Super Bowl every now and then. I'll watch the occasional Cowboys game because I am a Cowboys fan. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't follow it to the point where I know all the players' stats. Like, I know... Which I know it sounds wrong and weird and... You know, I know probably five players Two Texans NFL. that doesn't like football. I mean. <coughs> but... Yeah. No. 
we we joined together on that for sure. Yes, we did. Um, I'll, I'll like I said, I'll sit through a Super Bowl because there's a lot of hype involved and it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind you a know. Super Bowl party. That's kind of fun. Usually, nice but you know, and I'll watch the occasional. I I actually I find more fun in going into like local high school games where nobody's playing for millions of dollars that they just gave them, mm-hmm. and it's like you're actually playing on skill and who can be the best. Mm-hmm. Those are more fun. Honestly, I'm I'm so past NFL. That's yeah, not even funny. No kidding. Uh, thank God for Wyatt that introduced me to hockey because that's much more Oh, I love hockey. And hockey see, hockey good. I can get on board with because I played soccer. Mm-hmm. And it's the same game with more violence. Like, more violence, that, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, he doesn't want that. <laughs> it's like Michael Bay's version of soccer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. How cool is that? It's yeah. literally cool. Yeah, it's actually a cool game, yeah. you know? Uh, I can't ice skate worth crap, so you know I will love to watch other people. Do it. It. I watch a lot of hockey, and it's like, dude, <clears throat> look how easily they can move around. I would love ice. to try it's it again. Be it's easy. been years since I so did. I got it. on the ice. So I was just like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> anyway, the elections happened last night, and something that has never been done before happened. And I was so. We have a guy. He's our trainer, and I'm not going to name names because that probably is not what he wants but he's our trainer for corporate manufacturer stuff Mm -hmm. and um we were talking about how much we don't like social media sure and i've kind of gotten away from social media my brother started me on this and i started weaning myself i did i couldn't do it uh shay did a cold turkey and he said it changed his life and i'm like yeah i feel like that's a heart attack so no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, just because I become so addicted. Yeah. And, um, uh, I still have Facebook. I, I didn't like deactivate it because every once in a while I, I think it's fun to check in. Sure. But I don't have, like, I don't, I don't check it every day. Yeah. I'll watch the occasional TikTok video when I get on a stream and I can't do anything else. And I'm just like, ah, slipping through TikTok, whatever. Because there is some actually really good stuff on TikTok that you don't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll step through that. But I've, I've started stepping away from social media. I use Facebook uh, for marketing purposes yep. for my brand. Yeah. And and it's kind of a standard now, you know. You, and you so I, I use it for like branding. That. I don't really. My personal Facebook is kind of um, to the point where it's not even logged in on my phone. Like the one that's logged in on my phone is my company one where I take pictures and show off vehicles sure. and and so I don't I don't inter- interact with a lot of social media, which is you know that's why, thank God for Juliana who wants to do that, right? <clears throat> because I she's good at it. I she's good at it, and I have no interest. Unfortunately, I I, I just it's I'm kind of I'm forced to do it for my brand for the dealership, and you know it's it's not something I have a passion for, so it it just kind of goes to the wayside, but. Um, that being said, he was talking to us and, and, and he said, I, I said certain things and he said these certain things and, um, I'm not going to go into detail cause we're just, that's, I'm trying to keep him out of it. Right. But he said these things could have been, you know, six years ago, I could have never had these conversations with, with people I trained. And yeah. he said, because, you know, they look at you and all oh, conspiracy theory. Yep. <clears throat> He said, "Would well, it never happened?" He said, "I've been telling people this stuff since the '90s." He yeah. said, "And I've just uh, half my family thinks of me as the weirdo." Yep. He said, "Cause I, I," he said, "I, I have never had social media." He said, "I've never watched mainstream media, whatever they call." It. He said, "Mainstream media isn't in main." He made a really good point. And I'm gonna stop here and I'm gonna tell you this point. 
He said mainstream media is not mainstream media. He said mainstream media is Trump, Tucker Carlson. That's what people actually follow. Yeah. That's mainstream. Yeah, what you see now. The stuff like that a... we know of or we've we've been taught to know as mainstream is corporate media. Corporate media is exactly. <clears throat> It's, it's how they want to mold your mind. He said, I learned a long time ago. He said, back in the 90s, I didn't want anybody to mold my mind but me. Yep. He said, when I go out and look for news, I look for news. No one's molding me but me. Yep. I'm looking for it. I'm finding it. I'm the champion of my destiny as far as news is concerned, and no one can influence me past what I'm going to be influenced. And I said, I literally looked at him, I said, that's the most powerful thing I've heard in a long time. Like, the object of that, that we get sucked in, like, I don't watch the news. So, my news comes from the people I follow, like, on TikTok and, and previously, like, on, and still when I check in on Facebook, mm -hmm. which is Tucker Carlson, you know, the guys, which is, that's my mainstream media. <laughs> and he said, you know, and I had forgotten, by the way, this is very unlike me. <coughs> I had forgotten the date on the debate. And he said it's going to be funny that the, the debate happens and then the week out, or the day after that, Trump's going to surrender himself to, to Georgia. And he said this ought to be interesting. He said, but what I want you to focus on, he said, if you want to call me afterwards and tell me I'm right, I'm fine with that. <laughs> he said, but I want you to focus on Trump is not entering the debate for the first time in history. A presidential candidate is not entering the debate for the primary parties. Third parties have done this for years. Yeah. Years. We're talking three or four decades. Third parties don't even get limelight. Right. You said, but the, for the first time in history, you're going to have a Republican candidate. <clears throat> not on the debate floor. And that is like. That's huge. What? Why? Why? You know, I mean, Biden's not even Why campaigning. He, so, you know, like, if you're planning on being, a, <clears throat> you know, no, he decided something far on different. Being in the running, then he decided gosh, to do a your, your name out there, and you know, people won't see you. hundred percent. Yeah, it's so like you but, have to do that. Yeah, you it's, get it's, it's what you got to do. You know, he decided to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with Tucker Carlson. Dang. Power move. You want to talk about a power move. Whoa, now, that, let me tell you how much of a right power there. move that was. 29, I think 29.5 was the, the <clears throat> official number. Million viewers watching the RNC debate. Everyone thinks, wow, that's a lot. That's a right? lot. It's a lot of people. Wait for it. 169 million viewers oh were watching God. Tucker Carlson. And Dude. <laughs> now, if that doesn't help your uh, polls. Right. And think about like, it. Polls are skewed anyway, but you want to know. what? You're better at math on a quick than I am. What's a percentage on that? <clears throat> what do you mean? Like, um, like, if you take all that number, what's a percentage of that total number of people that watched it were watching that? Oh, gosh. Well, you know. What would you say? Twenty nine million. Twenty nine point five. Thirty million. Yeah. Versus. <clears throat> what do you say? One hundred and sixty nine. One hundred and sixty nine. About one hundred and seventy million. So thirty, sixty, ninety, one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty. 
the about five times wait 170 uh, about six times six times the amount of people so watched. about about 15 about 17 percent this is just Stuart math in his head it's probably not accurate. it's probably better than mine but about 17 percent uh watch the rnc watch the rnc that is mind-blowing and i i i watched the rnc debates in combination that was that was tricky by the way what i found really interesting is the rnc floor <clears throat> this is what i told ali i said the rnc floor is compiled of who is going to be vice president that's what that floor is mm -hmm. none of these people have a chance of being president and they all know it they all know, just based on the power move of Trump stepping aside and saying, let's see what y'all can do. Mm -hmm. They knew they were running for vice president. Yeah. Who gets to be the best? And I'm sorry. Like, and this, this goes into, this, this really piles into what the topic is. And this is why I'm precursing all this is the one that stood out to me was, and I, I'm not even going to try his last name, Vivek. Vivek, yes. He, I mean, he's Hindu. He's an immigrant. He 100% stands for everything we stand for. Yeah. Like, I was showing Stuart videos a while ago, and Stuart knows very little yep, about I him. I haven't, I haven't and up until much. two days ago, I didn't know who the man was, and I've done a lot of research in the meantime because I'm like I need to know. Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Businessman, not politician, very wealthy, did it mostly on his own. What does that sound like? Incredibly smart. Oh yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Which might very like anybody there's but there was loads of Americans that say that Donald Trump is not smart. He's an idiot. He's so stupid. He didn't get as far as he did. He didn't make as much money <coughs> as he did by being stupid. But no. it's just a fact. But the interview that got me on Vivek was the one I couldn't find to show you. Mm -hmm. And I will find it, and I will show you. Um, but the one that got me, and I think it got me because he understands it from an immigrant's view. Yeah. And let me tell you this. I have a friend of mine. He's a very good friend of mine. I have known him for many, many years. And he was young when he came to this country with his family. Mm -hmm. And when I first met him, uh, I'm nosy. Like, you offer me an opportunity to ask you awkward questions, and I know we're at a friend basis. Uh, prepare yourself. <laughs> because my mind is going to go straight to I must know, and you're yeah. not going to shoot me, so questions can be answered. Yep. And uh, so I asked him about his citizenship exam yeah. because there's a very, very harsh citizenship exam yeah. when you come to this country. And he talked about it in a way that it was, it was very, very. People in our country don't understand the things that immigrants learn coming to this country and have to pass an exam. Yeah. And Vivek touched on that. Oh, he said. Anyone who wants to graduate high school should be required to pass the same exam that an immigrant coming to this country I should pass. I 100% agree with that. 100%. That is the moment where I was like, I must know more about this man because, yeah. see, his parents are immigrants. Yeah. 
he knows firsthand what they how harsh this is. Yeah. <coughs> he stands for closed borders. Mm-hmm. An immigrant stands an for immigrant. closed borders. Yeah. And I will tell you from experience... And he's not an immigrant. He was born here. Well, I was, I was going to say, like, <coughs> I, I'll tell you from experience from immigrants that I have seen who are in politics, that they generally all stand for closed borders because they know what it took to get into this country. You know? And they're and like... They, they don't want people coming over. Right. They're like, hey, I had to work to get in here. I'm better off for it. Your country is better off yeah. for it. And... People just jumping over the border and getting a free ride? I don't think so. And I mean, things came out in this RNC debate that were just—it it, was—it was—it was sad, Stuart. It yeah. was sad. Um, I, I was able to witness firsthand a question. Obviously, that there's never been a situation presented for this question, but uh, and you got to see the aftermath of that question. Yeah. <clears throat> but the question was, you know, everyone here in this. This room has declared that they would support the nominee, which is something you have to do in order to be a part of the RNC. Right. And so you've all agreed to do this in the case that Trump, having all of his, uh, you know, violations of law, as they put it, if he is elected, who of you would support him? And I am telling you. Vivek did not listen to the rest of the question before that man's hand was so high in the air that I thought he was about to grab something and lift himself up. Like, it was weird. Yeah. He was so on board with, I will support that. Yeah. Because he stands for what I stand for. You know? Yeah. And and after that, you had, you know, several people. uh, I was shocked. I didn't care. I'm sorry, and this is not a sexist thing, but uh, what's her name? Nikki Drawing Haley. a blank. Nikki Haley. Yeah. The second one that raised her hand. Uh-huh. And I was I was not at all amused or, like, I didn't think anything great about that. Yeah. You know? He's a suck-up um, anyway. But what got me was you had um, a, a couple of the other ones, and I, I apologize. I do not know their names. Raised their hand shortly after that. Uh, the last two to raise their hand, Christy did his very little, like, I guess, so, right? And then Mike Pence, he literally looked around at the hands and went, and then slowly raised just slowly his. raised his hand. And I'm like, yeah, you're not it. Yeah, not you, <laughs> traitor. Uh, I respect, and this is what I told Ali. I said I respect the men that didn't raise their hand more than the more than I respect Mike Pence. More than you respect Mike Pence raising his hand. Yeah, man. exactly. I would have respected him more by saying no. At yeah, least exactly. For what he's shown Don't raise to stand your hand. for. Yeah. <clears throat> but this posed, oddly enough. So I've had I've had this podcast in the pipes for about four weeks. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. How to approach it? Yeah. Um, because it's something I've approached before, and mm-hmm. and I don't mind approaching things I've approached before. Because in my mind, I hold great value in this. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't want to do was approach it the same way that I probably did it before. <laughs> right. And just redo a podcast. Sure. Uh, for me, that didn't allure any insights. And I said, you know, after I watched the debate and Trump and his uh, Trump and Tucker, you should go back and watch that. I will be watching that. Um, go, go on YouTube. It's there. It, it is the most 
the questions that that talk like Tucker didn't ask easy questions. That's what I admired. Like he went in. Tucker Tucker doesn't ask easy questions. He doesn't know how. I don't think yeah. it's in his in he, his blood. He, he's happy to stir the pot, ask the hard questions. <clears throat> you know. But there was never a point where Trump even flattered an eye mm -hmm. at answering the question. Like the most harsh questions, like about his, you know, his coming trials and this and that. I mean, boom, answer him. Yeah. Just out there, like, this is the answer. And I'm going, no politician does that. We don't have one. No, we've never always, had they always one. give some sort of. The closest BS one we've answer, had to this is just, Ronald Reagan. They'll just dance around the question <laughs> and not actually answer it. You know, again, sorry for the sinus stuff, guys. This is. It's like, you know, the interviewer will ask a question and then, you know, the candidate or whoever just like, you know, gives some. It's a brush around answer. Yeah, it's not even like. It's what I call and like in, in training and I'm a salesperson, so I understand this yeah. on a different level it is what we call in the sales world a non-answer. It's a non-answer. And politicians, it's a redirect. That's what so if they somebody do, they're, yeah. it's, like, it's like their job is to say the most and the little at the same time. Right. The most and the least at the same time. They will say many, many, many words that mean absolutely, absolutely nothing. And you get caught up in them. Oh yeah. And it starts sounding good, you know. And they'll usually like pro America. Oh, we'll be doing this and pro America. Oh, we're the best and pro America. Yeah, you know we're the best it's always been. And under my administration, say what we people want to hear. Pro America, you know, it's just like, okay, all right. You want to actually fill that with some substance? But you wasn't know? it Hitler that said if you say a lie long enough and loud enough, the people will believe it? Yeah, it's true. It's incredibly true. Very true. So for today, I felt it was very necessary. What is a leader? And I don't mean the measure of what does the Democrat Party consider a leader? What does the Republican Party consider a leader? Not what, what does myself or Stuart consider as a leader, though we are going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. What is a leader by biblical standards? Like, what is the qualities of a leader? And I, I searched the web because I know what I did before, and everything I did before was strictly biblical. Yeah. Like it was, and, and not that today isn't, but everything I did before, because I know I've done this, I think it was probably episode like 200 and something, because <laughs> I know I've done it because yeah. I have it. Somewhere there. No, I, I have it in a document. I know oh, what I did. yeah, okay. Because I looked it up. I was like, what did I do? Because I don't want to do the same thing again, because that's just repetitive. And everything in my mind was on that document. I said, I can't. This is necessary, but I can't rehash exactly what I... I want a new point. Right. And so I searched the web, and I found a, uh, a web, uh, web platform web. that I found that had 10 qualities of a biblical leader. Okay. And they were similar to mine, just said differently. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. I say something, you may not understand it, but if Juliana comes out and says the same thing I said, 
different. It'll click. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I find that all the time in sales. I can say something to a customer 20 times. But then my manager comes out and says, the same thing I said with a couple different paraphrases. Yeah. <clears throat> and it just clicks with them and they buy the car. That's something that I actually... Uh, and I'm like, I don't understand the psychology there because I literally... Yeah. Gave you the, I gave you all of the same information. In fact, not only did you get all the same information, I think I did a better justice to the information. Right. But it, that click, that's actually uh, one of the virtues of my um, sweet and uh, deceased late grandmother, who I called Mim. That's who uh, I thought you were about to say. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. She, uh, I was unfortunately never able to meet she, her. She really liked to hear what people thought about things, but she wanted to understand what they were saying. And she would look past things like, you know, anger and um, anxiety and stuff like that. And she wanted to actually understand what you're saying because she cared about you. She cared right. about everybody around her. And so if you if you were trying to make a point to her or say something or ask a question or something that sounded really harsh or that she she heard something like, you know, um, that didn't sound... Know, you said in the wrong way. <clears throat> she would say, okay, so you said that. All right, I get it. Say that differently. You know, she would be like, you know, okay, so I hear what you said, and I don't think that you meant it exactly how you said it. And I would heard, you like to try again? I heard this, but I don't think that's what you meant. Say it differently. Exactly. Try a, it again. That is a great view. I, I, I need to be more like that. Yeah, that is, it's such a great thing because there's so many people that I don't say do that things. enough. So many people say things. It's just like, you know, oh, that sounds horrible. It's based you on know? passion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And their views. You say, okay, and... so I see what you're trying to get at. I don't understand it. Would you say it again? Say it again. Say it differently. Make me understand what you're trying to say. You know, I don't think that what you just said is what you're trying mm -hmm. to say, you know. <clears throat> and see, for this for this podcast, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, and it's going to be viewpoints. Mm -hmm. um, I want us to counter it with things that we know in the Bible. Uh, I struggle with knowing where things are in the Bible, and I know they exist. Yeah, it, it is something I'm working on, and everyone has heard my challenges. I don't work on it hard enough. Join the club. And that is something I definitely need. I've, I've been getting Allie to, hey, challenge me to, um, and she did a very good job recently with something that I said to William, and I said, I just, I'm embarrassed that when I was talking to him, well, we talked about it, the writing, yeah. the, the scriptures on the wall, because I know I'm not going to be in my house yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for probably two years. It's probably going to be two years. And I told William, I said, I want everyone that is a friend to me. Mm-hmm. And your family has been more of a friend to me than I've ever had friends, mm -hmm. which is humorously why I have such a deep devotion to the word friend. Right. The way that I believe Jesus means the word friend. friend. Yeah. And I said, I want you all to come over and I want scriptures to be written on my wall. And he took it as you're just being charismatic. And I'm like, I know there's biblical backing on this and i didn't i didn't i tried to rephrase it and he still took it the same way and i was like i'm 
But at that moment, I didn't have a biblical verse, even though I knew it was there. Mm -hmm. I didn't have something to say, but it says it right here. And no shame to William. Yep. Not at all. I'm not. That is me. That is that's my shame to bear. Mm -hmm. I should have known immediately where to find it. And my dear wife, within 20 minutes of me, I, I confessed to her via text. I was like, <coughs> where is it? I'm really sad <laughs> because I know it exists. And she said, yeah, it's here. And it was yeah. instant yeah, yeah, for yeah. her. She said, because that's important to me. And I, I've always thought that verse mm -hmm. is really powerful. And I said, but I knew it existed. But in the moment that Is that I where could... God is talking about, um, or I guess maybe Paul? Is no, it's he's... in Deuteronomy. Oh, it's in Deuteronomy. It is God. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I was right, thinking write of a it different upon, verse. No, no, it is actually... Write it upon your heart. and Write it upon the doorsteps of your house and in your home. That's it. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's like you're 28, right. That 12, is something like that. that. Don't quote me, anyone. I just, I, I for some reason... Yeah, I was trying to remember what that was, too, because I had just used that in a previous... Um, well, previous podcast also, but read it, you know, you know uh, write previous, it on the doorsteps uh, and in your home. And it, it's a very like God is literally telling you when you wake up in the this. morning, when you go to bed yes. at night, when you're out walking in the way, <coughs> write it on the doorposts of your house, write it on the gates. Yes. And so you know, I'm like, I want it, uh, my, hold it I as front my over friends. your eyes. Yeah. I want my friends and my goal is I'm going to buy a box of Sharpies. Mm hmm. And I'm going to invite everyone over, and I'm going to hand Sharpies out. And I say, I don't care where you write it in this house. Yeah. But I want you to write scriptures until you're out of scriptures. Yeah. That I can look at every day. And this is now part of our home. And even when we paint the house. It'll still be there. That scripture. Because here's the thing. I won't paint the house for two years. Mm -hmm. What happens every time I walk past that room where you wrote a scripture? Yeah, you're going to be seeing it. Even though it's not there anymore. Yeah. I'm going to think about that one verse. Right. Because it was there. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the computer verse. Why? Because it's written right where I later put my computer. <laughs> you know? So we're going we're gonna to take a break right here and we'll be right back. We are of the backity back. Yes, indeed we are. All right. So... Stewart, <clears throat> what is a quality of a of a leader? Uh, well, that's a good question. Right now, the I mean, a quality. Yeah, because I want to I want to go through like what you and I think of as a quality of a leader. Well, in in freedom units, it's point two six gallons. That was. That was really good, actually. I mean, no uh, hate on that. Sorry. No, I would say a good quality of a leader is um, humility. Okay. Uh, that's a quality. <clears throat> humility meaning not overly confident, knowing your place, who you are, your okay. limitations. And because you know those things about yourself, you can better understand everybody around you in their place, who they are, and their qualities, where they stand. Now, 
I do base this off of biblical principles, so I believe there are people who are born leaders. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, uh, you know, the Bible talks about people who are, uh, you know, who walk with the voice of authority. Yeah. And um, I actually, I learned this very late. Well, I, I can't say I learned. I realized it. Mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, you know, shout out to the Duck Commander guys. That's right. The well, reason this podcast exists, I'll have you know. Um, I know I've said that before, but mm-hmm. they are they are the influence for this. That's right. And they have their own podcast, the Unashamed Podcast. We highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Like, you listen to, we are the amateurs compared to these guys. Like, these guys, like, go listen to their podcast. Um, if you haven't heard oh, about and they're if you award, haven't heard about them, they're an award-winning podcast. There you go. If you haven't heard about them, make sure you leave a drop a drop our name and say, "Hey, we heard about you through these guys, Texans Take," because we would love to have that on the on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, but they are the reason that I kind of envisioned what I wanted to do here, and. Something that brought me um, to the idea of leadership, and when I started really trying to look into leadership, was the Bible talks about walking with the voice of authority. Mm -hmm. And um, there is no question in my mind Mm -hmm. that uh, Phil Robertson walks with the voice of authority. Yeah. Now. Absolutely. He's lived a very nasty life. Yes, he has. In fact, there's a movie coming out about it. Called the blind. Yeah, he has lived a very, very nasty life. So does that mean that people who have very negative pasts cannot be a voice of authority? No. Oh. Now, <laughs> quite honestly, he was probably a voice of authority for evil until he became a voice of authority for good. Yeah. You know, uh, I look back and I say, you know, in his in his drunken stupor of days. He was probably the instigator for more than anyone would ever do on their own because he was the authority in that drunken stupor, even with other people in their drunken stupor. Yeah. You know, uh, it's very believable. It's very Because I can see the way he acts now as a Christian. And he, he, he just has this authority that carries with him. And he doesn't, he doesn't brag about it. It's not like he goes around saying, I'm the authority. He just has this as he goes through his life. Thinking and, about that humility thing, I've yeah. noticed that the best leaders, they don't really brag. <coughs> no, they don't. Generally, generally, if they do brag, it's not actually really bragging. It's just stating facts about what they've done. Yeah. Well, it's if like my, my dad. My dad, I believe, walks with that voice of authority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, I, I'm sure if you asked my dad, he would laugh at you and say, oh, I don't. Mm-hmm. But any man that has ever known him, I don't think I've ever heard a negative thing about my dad from anyone, including people that fi- he fired. Mm-hmm. And I, I know some of the people he's fired. And according to them, my dad is one of the best people they've ever met. Yeah. That's, That's counterproductive in thought. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that sounds counterintuitive for sure. <clears throat> counterintuitive, thank you. It's 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 unlike what you like. If I fired you, the common thought is you wouldn't think very much of me. Yeah, yeah. But that you can have so much to say about someone who fired you. So much good things to say about him. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he fired me. 
but I probably need to be fired then. Exactly. <laughs> that is the kind of stuff I have. Um, one of uh, one of my my dad's friends in the business, you know, he came close to getting fired quite a bit, and I don't know if he ever did. I want to say he did at one point, and might he had nothing to say to this day he has nothing to say bad about my dad so humorously and we've talked about david many mm -hmm. times there was a point where david worked for my dad yeah as a car salesman huh what's funny about that is i think david walks with the voice of authority too yeah and you know what he has nothing to say bad about my dad in fact he praises my dad so it's just, again, that stair step of authority. A man who walks with authority can admire someone who walks with authority. Sure. A leader can admire a leader. In fact, some leaders oftentimes study other leaders. Exactly. So my question is, what does it take for someone to admire a leader? Like, what, what, what are biblical principles... And I've got a list of 10 that I think are amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why I, you know, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. But sure. I'm looking at the list. I've read the list. And so it's unfair for me to... I can spout off what's on this list right now. <coughs> but it really does no good. So I'm looking at 10 points. Mm -hmm. Give me 10 points of a leader that is biblical. So, 10 points of a leader that is biblical. I would say, to name 10 of them, I could probably name just a couple of them, just from my point I'll of view. I'll take a couple. So, I started with humility, and I'll stick with that. Confidence. The humility, confidence. Um, as far as a biblical leader, uh, doing exactly what God says. Right. So following following God's word, batting off of God and not <clears throat> God to bat off of you. Um, love. You've got to have love in some way. Otherwise, I mean, what's driving you? Right. Um, even if it's a love for something that's corrupt and bad. And honestly, you're going to have to keep up with these because yeah, I think a lot of these kind of... Do the whole meshing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I read off the list, we're going to have to compare a little bit. Sure, sure. And uh, I'm going to go through them one by one so we, okay. can, we can mesh them. And... Wisdom. Okay. Knowledge. Sometimes the best part of a leader is having knowledge, basically knowing that you don't know something. If you know that you don't know something, then you know you need to go find somebody who does. Right. And wisdom is utilizing that knowledge. Um, ah, that's probably six or so. I'm going to stop there before I embarrass myself too for, too much further. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, you, got? you were doing, you were doing, doing good? really good. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and leave it at that. What you got? <clears throat> so this is a list of ten that I got from World worldsoflife.com life okay now i will admit not all the stuff on there is what i would i would claim as great um so we'll just throw that out there sure okay but this list of 10 and when i say i don't agree with everything is cuz some of the things that they go into on each one of these which i'm not going to mm -hmm. is a little secular okay it's not 
it's trying to agree with the world instead of the world should agree. But there are 10 points. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about them. <clears throat> the first is a man who is above reproach. Well, there you go. Which goes along and with... And we're both. talking about biblical leader, right? We are okay. talking about okay. biblical leaders. Above so reproach. a man who is above reproach. Now, for me, for me, and when I read that, that was... And I know that's number one, and it's kind of one of those things that's like, well, how did that catch you? Timothy 6.11, my favorite Bible verse. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, oh, man of God, follow after these things, truth, righteousness, faith, godliness. This is a man who is above reproach. True. This Basically, is a man. Nobody, ha nobody can say something bad about you. <laughs> <coughs> Jesus was a man above reproach oh yeah you know um so that's what captured me is i look at what is a leader based on that one verse and i know it sounds funny based on that one verse you can get the qualities of a leader you can i'd agree you can get them through that one six eleven um first off is through you, i think through 14 but yeah um i was gonna say like so much there when you are in a group and that group is looking for a leader like you're trying to nominate who's going to be your leader <coughs> you never find the guy that everybody hates generally you look for the guy that everybody has good things to admires. say about they admire exactly and it doesn't mean that he's always the best leader, you know, but that's who everybody looks to. Right. So it means that you have a audience, you know, you have a right. group that is looking up to you. Regardless of whether you're a good leader or not, that's what's going on, you know. And that's regard not even, even a good leader, but like regardless of whether you are the best leader out of the group, those, that, those people are looking up to you. And you, so you, they see you as a leader. See, and you're bringing up a really good point. So we had, uh, recently we had a salesperson at the dealership. Um, mind you, this is probably his fifth offer mm -hmm. for management that he's had since he's been there in nine years. And he's not taking it every time he's offered it. And he finally took it. <coughs> and what's funny about this is at the same time, a counter dealership was looking for a manager. And several of our staff applied. Mm -hmm. I, through the grapevine, knew who these people were. And I've had uh, you know, conversations with colleagues, and I I'm, wanted to know what their thoughts were. It was a separate dealership, so mm -hmm. it didn't affect me. But I wanted to know what my colleagues thought about the options. Yeah. And the one thing I got consistently was probably a good fit, but I don't know that I could respect him. Mm. I don't know that I could respect him. Yeah. I don't know that I could follow him. Yeah. Now, side note, this person who was elevated in our dealership, highly admired, highly trusted. Highly respected. 
He was the person you went to when you were having a bad day to help you fix your bad day. Yeah. He's not a manager. So now people can go to him and fix their bad day, and he has the power to fix their bad day. Right. Whereas previously, he was just giving wisdom. That's powerful. It is, yeah. To think about where a leader needs to be, and that's why I don't necessarily think that someone fresh off the boat should be a leader. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. There's some there's people that walk with the object of authority. But it doesn't mean they have wisdom, discernment, knowledge right. for that role. <clears throat> Not saying they couldn't be there one day. Yeah. I'd love to be a manager one day. I'm also humble enough to know that I'm not there yet. Yeah. I know. I've, I've been in the game for six years, and I can honestly tell you, though I've been very successful, um, and anybody who's car salesman knows that managers don't get paid as much as salesmen. That, that's irrelevant because I do like teaching. I like mm -hmm. teaching people. I like training people. And so I've always had the interest for management. That stands. But I'm not right for it yet. And I know that. I'm not there yet. I need, I need more knowledge. I need the ability to actually know how to train properly. I need to know more. Yeah. I'm just not there yet. And I think that's... And that's not me being arrogant. I think that's a little humility there. As mm -hmm. I, I just I know so, yeah. if somebody offered me the job, I'd love it, but I would have to decline. Yeah. Because I'm not ready yet. Yeah. Gosh, I would love it. It would make me so happy. And I have bid for sales manager roles in the past. And by not getting them, it has just been my reassurance that I'm just not ready yet. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. When it comes opportunity, I'll be ready. Um, and so I think that that above reproach has a lot to do with respect of your authority. Yeah. Because it's, kind of, it's very hard. And, I, and I've been in situations where people have come into a manager role and I know nothing of them. I have no respect of them. They were just hired off the street. And it took months for me to gain any respect for these people. But it's a lot easier to respect someone that you've already gained a relationship with, respected them, then they rise. Yeah. And so I, I think there's a lot of power to that. Sure. That's, we're just on one. Yeah, yeah. You know, number two, you hit this one on the head, a man of unquestioning moral integrity. Yep. That strikes home. Yes, it does. You know, I had uh, Bill Hill, which we need to have on the podcast again. Uh, we also need to pray for him because he's had a recent hip replacement. Oh no, um, it's it's been a it's been a while. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you until now. Um, but I haven't I haven't tried to get him for another podcast because I know he's he's still preaching and dealing with that. So I'm not adding something to his plate. Right. Um, but he sat down with me one day when we were having lunch. And um, this is very early on in our relationship. <coughs> and we were just talking about random stuff, you know. 
at this point he was pretty he was pretty certain and he wasn't wrong that I didn't really like him because I met Bill at a point that he was kind of intrusive on my life right and that was also God's way of entering someone into my life that needed to be there yeah uh, I may have found it intrusive but he also was hard not to respect mm-hmm like, I I gave him instant respect because, again, he's one of those people that walks with authority. Oh, yeah. I'm, there's And there's this a, is someone who doesn't have the greatest past either. There's a difference between liking somebody and respecting somebody. Yeah, he, I, I did not like him, but I can tell you from the moment that he entered my life, <coughs> he had my respect. Yeah. And, and it was, it wasn't because of, the position he was placed in. Yes, I was in a way forced to be around him, and I was forced to, because for anyone who doesn't know, and I, we may have talked about this, Bill was in the process of my first divorce. He was the first divorce. That was horrible the way I put that. <laughs> I mean, it was. It's also his only div- your only divorce. Yeah, the only one I'm ever going to have. I'm <laughs> done with that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to die before that happens again. But uh, my divorce, that's better. That sounds better. He was, um, he was, because he was one of the only options, he was placed as a um, mediator. A mediator. Uh, I hate to do this, but is there a plug out here? Uh, There is actually, yeah. Uh, We're going to, we're going to pause over here. We're not actually going to pause, but could you... I can plug you up. As I'm looking for my cord, it's here somewhere. Hold on. Could you... Yeah. I'm going to end up dropping my computer. It just started telling me that it did not like being dead. By the way. Yep, I need that one. There you go. Oh, she's happy again. We're alive again. Okay. Is it actually plugged in? It is. It didn't. Oh no, it did do something. Okay. Sorry, it it just it's so <laughs> dead that it didn't actually recognize it. But anyway, he was one of the supervisors for my supervised visitation because I was such a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Not really, but that's the way the courts were given the interpretation of, and so I had to go through supervised visitation. <clears throat> and he was one of the supervisors, and again, he was kind of the only option, not that anyone loved him being an option. Um except me at a point, very quickly, actually. Um, again, I, I, he had my immediate respect um, because of his authority in that situation. But I'd say within two weeks, like two visits, I say two weeks and that sounds much longer, two visits, um, he had my respect regardless. Mm-hmm. It was instant. He just... And then he he took me to lunch, and that just tore the hearts out of everyone that thought he was a good supervisor. 
because <laughs> they he was mingling with such a horrible person. But uh, he told me something, and I know I've said it on this podcast, and I know I've said it to you, and it will stick with me for the rest of my life. He said, just remember, as you go through your life, no one can take your integrity, but you can give it away. Yeah. That is very true. No one can take your, your integrity from you. But you can give it. You can give it away. And once you give it away, it can never be regained in the same manner that you had it. That's true. <clears throat> so I think somewhat of unquestionable moral integrity is paramount. Paramount. Absolutely. It is, it is at the top of the list, which humorously it also is. The next one is a man of Christian grace and spiritual discipline. I'm pretty sure you jumped on that too. Yes. Not in so many words, but yes. <coughs> like I said, a lot of these mingle. Yeah. And that Christian grace is really important because, you know, that's, that's how we are called to deal with people. And, and yeah. I think I, I forget what verse it is like you, um, I need to learn my where to find them in the Bible better. Uh, but uh, we're told by Paul um, that we should uh, speak with uh, speak with salt <coughs> and grace. Oh, and you love salt. Yeah, I do love salt. But basically that salt is kind of the stingy part, you know, the preservative part, you know. And that grace is the, you know... It's kind uh, of... And that's the spiritual discipline. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the ability to give someone the information, but also have grace and understanding. Yeah. You that, know, that... That grace really comes from knowing that we could and would and should be in the exact same position that they exactly. are without Jesus, you know. We have been given grace. Yeah. That comes from that comes from knowing that, you know, like if somebody came by and gave me a free car and said, hey, here's a ticket, go give somebody else a free, you know, with this ticket, you know, go, go give this to somebody else so they can go get a free car. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you could sell it to them. You could do all sorts of stuff. But if they said, where did you get it? And you're like, well, it was given to me for free, you know, then you're going to be like, yeah, I shouldn't sell it or anything. It really should just give it because that's how I got it. And I've met several people that got a car when they needed it because of that. Yeah. I mean, as as much as I'm sure that's not what your intention was in bringing that up, but mm -hmm. I've I've met people as in that when exact somebody same does position. something for you, you are more inclined to do that for somebody else. Yeah, it's it's know. it's that same idea of like paying it forward. Exactly, exactly. You know, being able to, to give what you've been given. And that's that's when, uh, you know, I, I've, I've said several times, and I'll continue to say it, people with great wealth, like great wealth, and as much as the world would try to make you hate the people that have wealth, mm -hmm. and there's many people, and I'm, I'm trying to word this correctly, yeah. Where it doesn't sound as bad as it could. There are people with great wealth who do 
terrible things. Yeah. There are people with great wealth that do amazing things. Um, I think it's, it is, uh, Sebastian. I can't remember his last name. He's a, he's an entrepreneur I follow. And he said, I, I don't believe. And I, he, he quoted some biblical principles in the speech. And I don't think he's maybe the most solid Christian. I think he probably is a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, the fact about wealth is wealth only amplifies who you are. Yeah. He said, if you're a great person, you will give greatly. If you're an evil person, you will, you will use it for evil. He said, wealth is just a conduit. Yep. And it shows who you really are. He said, so when people tell me, you know, money is the root of all evil, it can be. But it can also be great prosperity. And not just for you, but everyone you come in contact with. And he said, so that's that's what I always tell people. You know, who are you going to be if you win the lotto overnight? Right. Yeah, exactly. Who are you, What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to utilize that in the same selfish way you've lived your life? Or will you be able to give freely, turn a leaf? And he said, I hate that because turning a leaf never happens if you get great wealth. He stopped in the middle of that as if he was building up to something. He said, the thing is, if you have great wealth as a person, then great wealth financially is common. Yeah. He said, but if you are poor as a person, great wealth is dangerous. It is. And that's why you see most people who do win the lottery <coughs> are back to poverty or Six in months. more debt. Yeah, within Six half months. a year. They, the they the, the statistic is six months. They they waste it. They lose it. They spend it on you know uh, hotels, gambling, lots of food, rich living, Bugattis, Bugattis, <laughs> you know. And they end up poorer than they were before they got rich. My wife laughs at me because she said, she said this very recently. And I think she said it before, but it, it, it made me laugh more recently. I think with the house stuff, mm-hmm. she kind of was giving me a, a little bit of a heckle. But she was like, you realize if you won the lotto, you would die with the same amount you won. And it was her like, you're such a penny pincher. <laughs> and I was like, well... You're you're probably not close to being wrong, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean that's I mean, I, I would I would I would definitely give charitably because that's who I am. Yeah. Like I randomly gave someone fifty dollars the other day at a convenience store because they had kids in there and they needed stuff that they were trying to buy and they yeah. were short and I was just like, I have it. Hopefully they weren't just using it scandalously, but I paid for the stuff that they had, and I mean, it made me feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. I like giving charitably. Sure. I like being able to help people because I'm in a position to be able to help. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 that's, you know, there's, there's many people that, you know, would not choose that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, you know, he talks about there. 
So, moving on to number four. We're going to take a break right here, and we'll actually be right back for number four. Alright, so we, uh, we've gotten to so little of these that I, I think we're going to make this a two-parter. Um, so, the next time I have a podcast, <coughs> we'll continue. But we're going to get through, uh, we're going to get through four and five. Yep. And, uh, then we're going to let Stuart pray us out. But four is, I don't have my glasses on me, but a man who is generous, hearted, and hospitable. Now, humorously, my previous speech was not based on that because I hadn't pulled it up yet. But, mm-hmm. Um, that goes along with what I was just saying. Yeah. You know, if you have a generous heart, you will be exactly the way you were before. That's true. Yeah. You know, um, and I have, I have very, very little to, to, to be able to, <clears throat> to go through with what I said, but I do have one. I have one example that I think is really fascinating. sorry y'all forgive me anyway so when i was going through 4-h and ffa and all that there was this one family that they were they were wrapped up in it like it was their their well-being their life you know and i think they maybe sponsored a couple of kids and and gave them animals and, and this and that and uh, it wasn't until I was well into high school, like I had, I had kind of quit the 4-H raising animals. I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve, you know. And um, and I started like helping because that was kind of what I transitioned to was being the guy helping at the fairgrounds. Yeah, because uh, I much prefer being in the shoots, working with animals, um being the behind the scenes guy i did not like showing animals as much as i liked working with them mm-hmm. and i know that sounds really weird i did not enjoy the spotlight a bit and i know Stuart's looking at me going really huh <laughs> uh i i just i didn't i didn't love it i liked raising animals and once i achieved a little bit of success i was good but i liked spending time Doing what I'm best at, working with cowboys mm-hmm. behind the scenes, the real cowboys, the ones that I'm sorry, folks, but the real cowboys are not the ones in rhinestones and beautiful belt buckles. And <coughs> there are some that achieve both. There I'll are. give you that. There are. there are some that achieve both. Tough Hedeman, Lane Frost. There's some guys out there that achieve great cowboys and great PBRs and all that. But the real ones, the ones that you never hear about, those are the real. And I always liked working with the real cowboys. That's why I always put it, real cowboys. But they were the ones that didn't take any credit for what they did. They just did it, moved on with their life. And I enjoyed being around that crowd. And it's a crowd of humility. It's a crowd of people who just move on with their lives, not not looking out. They don't want medals. They're just there to do what they're there to do and move on with their lives. And yeah. I think there's a beauty to that. Absolutely. 
<clears throat> and it's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. And so there's there's a certain level of like the generous hearted and hospitable hospitable you know the these people have never had anything you know mm. right <clears throat> most of the cowboys are real cowboys and i keep saying that like there's fake cowboys but there are um you know they they 100 percent live their life just not accepting any grat- gratification for anything they're just there yeah. to do what they're there to do yeah and there's a beauty to that but one of the families that we uh, we worked with there, their family had won the lotto like three times. Three times? <clears throat> they had built their ranch off of it. Wow. And they were a prime member of the local FFA and 4-H. Wow. You know, always there. What's funny is they were there bidding on animals that they gave kids. As a project. Wow. They were there bidding on them, and it's a it's it's a catch twenty two because a lot of those heifers, mm-hmm. they could buy them back, make money on them, on the ranch. But once they won a prize, they're a prize winning animal. Yeah. You know? But at the end of the day, they were doing this stuff for kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and that their family is, they're very blessed. Yeah. But I did not ever find out from them that they won the lotto three times. Wow. I found out through the grapevine. It was always rumors. I've never. <coughs> it is a fact because I've heard from one of their family members. But I never heard it. Like, they never boasted it. Yeah. It was never something that they went out seeking a pat on the back for. But they gave back to the community, I think, in probably more ways than they could have. You know who's a really good example of that <clears throat> recently? Real, real, real recently? Who can you think of? See if we come to the same conclusion. I don't know. Who just won the lottery in... Oh, I don't follow the lottery. So. No, 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 no. It's a different kind of lottery. Like, made it big... Never should have happened, but definitely happened. Oh, oh, you're speaking my language yeah. now, Oliver Anthony. Exactly. Man he is the most won the lottery. You know, by accident. By accident, it was completely <coughs> like he'll tell you himself. He says, "I have no, ta- I, I don't have talent. I don't sing well. I don't play well, but." I, you know, I sang my heart out and I said something in music that everybody needed and wanted to hear. My people connected with. My people connected with. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, he's doing very well for himself. He, 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 he turned down $8 million offers. <clears throat> yeah. It, it's pretty crazy. The kind of things that that man, and I, I I'm pretty sensation. sure a couple podcasts ago, I said, he's going somewhere. Quickly, very quickly. And it is not because he wanted it to happen. No. Who do you think wanted it to happen? Yeah, exactly. It's the man upstairs. That's right. But he's humble about it. He, he doesn't. Is. He is not. Like, I watched his his um, release where he was talking about, hey, I'm going to be at Morris Farm. And he was telling people, hey, 
don't spend hundreds of dollars to come see me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it around, and I will come see you because I want to meet you in person. I don't want big events. I want to be able to shake hands with you, say, hey, meet your children, and be able to have a good connection with you. I don't want big shows where I'm just singing to people that I've never met. Yeah. <coughs> and I was like, who talks like this? Yeah. No I mean, honestly, like, my mind was going, what person... Do- who says that? Like in in the world of music, yeah. where you've just struck a gold mine, who goes back and says, "Don't come see me yet. Let me come meet you." I will I'm, come see you, and I'm going. What? You don't even do that in advertising. Because humorously, come I, he see was, me. He was six and a half hours away, and I was contemplating. Yeah. Taking a day off and going, I need to go to a farmer's market, guys. By the way, if he comes to Asheville, we're going. <laughs> Oh, we will 100%. And I, I, I think if he ever comes to Asheville, we need to uh, to try to give tickets Yeah, to members of our audience, That'd to people. Like, we need to try to figure out a way because the, uh, the amount of humility. And I, I'm sorry. The man won my heart when I watched how he opened his, his concert. Yeah. How many how many artists ever have you ever seen open their concert in the Psalms? Like that made me tear up. Like yeah. I am I'm still like I was almost about to. I'm like that is the he's my man. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure I was playing him on the way in. I'm I'm fairly confident cuz that's <laughs> like that's my new jam. like I play that. I I I have driven down just for the heck of it. Driven down Main Street, Asheville, blaring this music. Yeah. Because this is what people feel. This is where we are. Yeah. Like, I am. I'm a supporter to the point where I don't care if he said a couple cuss words in his music. No. He said what we're all feeling. And I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm fairly confident that at some point, Daniel, who we all admire as a biblical hero, spouted off a couple cuss words. Yeah. I am confident that if somebody was throwing a spear at me, I'd I'd say a couple things yeah. that maybe weren't documented. Because I I don't know how to handle that as well as maybe some people. And so when it comes to it, he's preaching. Yeah. I don't know, there's a lot of people that won't like to hear that. <clears throat> But you got to think, this man opened with two chapters of Psalms yeah. to 12,000 people in a farmer's market that only supports a few hundred. Yeah. <clears throat> like, if you watch the aerial footage of this farm, like, the farmer's market was, you couldn't see the road. Yeah. There was no parking. You parked miles away and walked to the farmers. Like, these people, they parked miles away. This farmer's market, all the roads that normally would have been just, like, people creeping by, like, hey, I want to buy, you know, a couple of your squash, are getting squashed on. Yeah. You know? I mean, seriously. 12,000 people. I mean, you look at the footage, you're going, this this area, this property... Y'all aren't going to be able to move much. 
Hope you didn't want that grass. Yeah, well, the grass, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> gone now. You know, farmers. But you know, pra- praise God, praise yeah. God for him because he is he's going somewhere. Yeah, and we all need to be praying for him. Absolutely. But that is that that goes back to humility. And I'll leave it because I could keep going on for days. Like when I discovered him accidentally, I was I was sold. So we're gonna go to point five. This is where we stop. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna take a break. We're gonna pray, and uh, we need to pray for for Oliver because sure. he is he is fighting whether he knows it or not against mainstream music. Yep, and I'm okay with that. Me too. And I will I will support him to the point that I can do it. So. Humorously, as we're talking about Oliver Anthony and reading Psalms mm-hmm. right before his wonderful um, opening. Opening, yeah. Number five is a man who is able to teach. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's very true. you got to be able to teach if you're going to be a leader. <coughs> There's a cat in my yard. Go away, cat. How are you going to... Show people how to be a leader if you can't teach. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is if you're going to be a leader, you got to be able to. Um, you've got to know everything that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it yourself, then you show somebody how to do it, so that they will do it. If you can't do it yourself. <coughs> You know it needs to be done. You will find somebody who doesn't know how to do it, and let them do it using wisdom and all that. You, know. you delegate. You delegate, right? But exactly. you can't delegate if you haven't taught, right? And on top of that, most leaders will tell you, you know, most good leaders, anyway, as far as I've seen, is I won't tell you to do something that I wouldn't that I wouldn't do myself, right? And that's I wouldn't make you do more than I expect of myself. And that goes back to my man, Joe getting promoted, like blessings on him. And he is such a, he is a Christian. So we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to praise Joe. Cause he's, he's a very humble man too. Mm-hmm. And that makes him for me, that makes him so much more respectable. But here's the thing. He will not ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Yeah. And here's how I know that. It's because I spent four months at this job where he had the same role as I did. Yeah. And he did the same grunt work I do. And so when he goes, I need you to do this, do I hold any resentment towards him? No. Because I've seen him do it. Right. It's not like he's saying, I want you to go dig a ditch, and he's never digged a ditch in his life. Right. <clears throat> no, when he goes to ask me to do something, I know he's done it because I've seen it. Yeah. And it makes it respectable. Yeah, and if you're like, you know. And if it makes it honorable. Um, one thing that we do, uh, like I, I like to go to those uh, F3 workouts and stuff. And if you're the Q, if you're the leader. One day I would love to do that. You should, you should wait. I'd love to bring you. Uh, one day I want to do it just for the heck of it because I probably need to be kicked in the butt once or twice for that. It'll do it. It'll do it for sure. Because it's early enough that I can still get to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should wake me up. You, we should plan one. I'm I'll serious. Do that. I'll do that. 
We should plan one where I wake up and resent my entire life until I get coffee. You you will. Yeah. Um, it'll take it out of you, but it, it's it's good. After you get in the rhythm, it's, you know, it's doable. But what I was going to say is if you're the leader at, F, at uh, F3, you know, you're telling, they, they basically say, you know, hey, you tell everybody what to do, you know, and they'll do it to the best of their ability. If they can't do something or they shouldn't do something, then, you know, improvise. You know, everything that the leader says to do is a suggestion, you know. Um, and uh, when the leader tells you to do something, like uh, one of the things that we do in F3 is say, uh, uh, they, they have names for everything that are different from your standard names. Like jumping jacks are called side straddle hop. Sign, sounds kind of goofy, but that's what they call jumping jacks or side straddle hop. Okay. And push-ups are not push-ups. They're merkins. Okay. Um, and if you do a, if you do a, a sit-up, that's called a big boy sit-up or big boys. Um, and uh, let's see, if you do a crunch, no, let's see. If you're doing the, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, like a burpee? No. Uh, no um, burpees are just generally called burpees there. But when you're, you're sitting on your rear and you're doing, um, what's this one here called? Look at me. What do you call it? I actually don't know. Uh, I don't know what those are called. Anyway. I, I know what it is. I've done it. You're sitting on your rear, you're holding your legs up, <coughs> and you're you're moving side to side. I used to know what it was. I should know what it was called anyway. It helps oh. your it helps your your sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we call those. Uh, um, oh gosh, now I forgot what we call those too. Um, that was always a part. Oh, of Oh, we like... call them American hammers. Anyway, F three has different names, and that's all beside the point. But anyway, when you tell somebody to do something, you say, "All right, side straddle hop in cadence, go." Right, and when you say that, everybody else repeats what you said, okay. And if you say, "Okay, uh, we're going to do, um, <coughs> you know, uh, fifty burpees," we're going to improvise it and do it this way. And if somebody doesn't understand what you're doing, then they'll say, "Explain." And as the leader, you're like, "Okay, I'm going to get you get down. You show them exactly what you want them to do, so that they will do exactly <coughs> what you do." That's you know? admirable. Yeah, that's beyond and so admirable. Every time, every time you do an exercise, if somebody doesn't know what you're doing, and they say, "Explain," you have to do that exercise at least a couple reps, just so that they see what they're supposed to do. That's admirable. on top of that. If you're the leader, you don't ask anybody to do something that you cannot do. Like if you if you're like you know hey we're gonna do legs today so let's do you know you know three hundred squats <coughs> if you can't do three hundred squats and you're the leader then don't ask anybody else to only ask them to do what you can do you know that's admirable. at least what you can do you know and that that's just simply so that you know it 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 helps things flow. Um, and it's a good quality of a leader because one of the things that F three is man, for, I have something. It's like it's it's to help oh. it's to help people it's to help teach people how to be leaders, you know, because you're leading by example. Oh my gosh, Stuart! Just think, when Peter walked on that water, mm -hmm. 
Jesus, Jesus was already, already walking leading on his it. example. <laughs> yes, right. Oh my gosh. It's true. He was already doing it as an he wasn't doing more than he was asking of us. That's right. That's true. And that's a good place to end. Yeah. He does not ask more than can be accomplished. And on top of that, you know, give up your life and follow me. It's like, what did Jesus do? He gave up his life for us. You know, so as far as persecutions go, it's like, well. We don't know anything about persecution. Yeah. Jesus had about as bad as it can possibly be. And like I said, people have suffered far more physical, physically uh, horrible deaths than Jesus. But <clears throat> Jesus suffered the weight of all of our sins with the physical death. That yeah. was the real it's burden. It's not comparable. No, no. Well, so. Stuart, would you pray us out? Sure, let's pray. Great Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. Uh, we praise you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would apply it to our hearts. Lord, um, we thank you that you give us um examples of good biblical leaders uh and we pray that we would mirror that we pray that you would work on our hearts we pray that you would fill us up with your word and your truth so that we too can be leaders uh guiding with grace uh, with love humility with truth with confidence um and with all of these different aspects of a good leader and uh we pray lord that as we build up others in the faith, um, we too would have confidence. It's easy to tell somebody else what to do and not do those things ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that we would follow our own advice as we give advice. Uh, we pray that uh, we would follow your biblical teachings and that... Uh, we would, out of the abundance that you have given us, that, that would overflow into other people's lives. Um, I thank you so much for my wife, Lord, who uh, is leading by example. She feels so strongly about uh, the topic of abortion, yeah. and she is now leading the Asheville um, 40 Days for Life vigil. And Lord, that is just, I, I am so proud of her for that. And I'm so proud to call myself her husband. Um, and I just pray that uh, you would bless her in that. <clears throat> and I pray that you would bless all the leaders that we have um, uh, around us. And I pray that you would bless, uh, uh, what's his name, Oliver Anthony, is that right? That's correct. I pray that you bless him, Lord. He has uh, made a great song that, uh, is opening people's <coughs> eyes and revealing uh, what's going on around in the government. And um, we pray, Lord, that you would bring about good leaders in politics. Uh, there will always be politics. And so we pray that since there's going to be politics, that there would be good leaders uh, in politics. And uh, <coughs> I pray that you would protect your people, Lord, and that you would salt your earth with us that you would use us to spread your kingdom and praise your holy name. 
Pray that you would bless our listeners, Lord, and we pray that you would bless us this night. It is in Christ's name that we come before you in prayer. Amen. Amen. And with that, we say, Adios. Adios.